Blog Talk Radio. in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show was created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers around the world, and we are translating into many different languages for our listeners outside the country. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal and the Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During this show, I can take questions in order in chat, or you may call in with your question and speak with our special guests. Any buzz killers in chat or on the phone will be kicked out, and I will have a copy of your phone number and your your information, and I'm going to call you back and bug you, so don't bug me. Just play nice and be polite. Anyway, that's enough of the threats for this evening. Uh, I just want to let you guys know that uh, Dr. Elias is feeling so much better. Uh, We are still keeping him in our prayers. He's off life support, and he's actually breathing on his own, and uh, he's talking to our dear friends. So uh, thank God that Dr. Elias is uh, doing okay. So thank you for your ongoing prayers for his recovery. And uh, then I have a few announcements to, to make. Uh, September 20th, it's coming up, Zero Internationally has an event featuring uh, researcher Grant Cameron. And uh, it's going to be at Saturday, September 20th, 7 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. The doors open at 6.30 and then Grant Cameron is uh, just an, uh, we've had him on the show before. He's a, a alien investigator and a seeking disclosure, and he's a phenomenal uh, human being and filled with information. So it's going to be at the Veterans Memorial Complex in the Garden Room, 4117 Overland Avenue, and that's in Culver City, California, now at 230, September 20th. It's 15 bucks at the door. And uh, it's not so much. It's just a little bit of money. And uh, also, uh, there's uh, lots of free parking all around the, the building. So come a little bit early. Everybody's there, and we talk and have booths, and everybody has their books out and stuff like that, so you can get your books signed. Uh, and the, the, the topic is actually going to be the chosen and what I have learned from them. So that's what he's going to be talking about. And you know what? The night before, Friday night, uh, everybody's having dinner in Marina Del Rey, Grant's coming in from Canada pretty late, so the dinner is not going to be till 9.30 p.m., but it's at a cool little uh, place called Jerry's Deli, and that's at 13181 M-I-N-D-A-N-A-O-Way, Rio Del Rey, California, and uh, it's really a cool spot and a really great kosher food. So if you want to meet us the day before Friday, I'm going to try to head out there after over next Friday's show. And let's see, the September support group will be, for zero will be at the end of the month over at the Huntington Beach location. 
I'm going to tell you a little bit about next week's guest. Uh, next week's guest is Pamela Lafredo, and she's a former York County, Maine, MUFON State Section Director and field investigator. Anyway, she's a psychic medium and medical intuitive and Reiki master, so she's going to be doing readings for us, and we're going to have an exciting evening and chatting with Pamela. And now, at this point in the program, I want to welcome my awesome co-host, Adrian Rudnick. You're live hello, with hello. Good evening. Hello. How are, How are you, doing? you doing? I'm doing fine. It's going to be an exciting show, eh? Yes, I'm really excited. I'm already stuttering and everything else. So. Alien <laughs> 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 abduction, our favorite topic. So, I know. This This is, uh, so talking from fellow abductee to hill abductee, um, what do you think about this? About um, Daryl Sims? Yes. Yes, I think it's um, he's interesting. I should like to learn more about him. I've done my own research on him, but uh, I think in doing an interview is, is best. But uh, he seems to bring in a unique perspective on things. Yeah, he sure does. And uh, quite and an I amazing like... individual. Yes. Go ahead. And his background, okay. his background seems interesting. And... Um, um, he's, he seems to be interested in the hardcore stuff. Yeah, he is. And let me do his his intro right now. Then I'm going to call him into the show. So Daryl W. Sims, author of the book Alien Hunter, and all his books are available at his website. The world's leading expert on alien abductions had his first encounter with an alien presence at the age of 17, and he experienced a malignant contact with these alien beings that would later, you know, alter his life forever. As a result of the violent encounter, Daryl made a decision that he would no longer willingly be victim to the bizarre quest of alien entities. Wow. He was determined to change his whole life uh, around from being hunted to the hunter. When these things be- beings became, later became, you know, started going after his five-year-old son, Daryl put his hunt into high gear. Daryl began preparing himself for his lifelong quest of pursuing the alien prey. Every path he took would equip him mentally, physically, and spiritually to become a warrior for the cause and assume the role he feels he is born to play. As a result, Daryl has spent the past three decades researching the world of alien beings. His focus has been twofold, to acquire the skills necessary to design and implement a program of compassionate and effective counseling for victims of alien contact and to collect and analyze medical and scientific evidence of the alien presence. He served in the military intelligence and worked for the CIA, and after the service, worked as a police officer and as a licensed private investigator. From advanced scuba diving training to skill and weaponry, his certifications as a master hypnotherapist and certified medical hypnoanesthesiologist to studies in graphoanalysis, Gerald's eclectic accomplishments have had a single aim, to defeat the alien menace. Each case enhances his unique perspective to the preeminent profile of the alien beings. Every clue contributes to the patterns Daryl has observed in the hundreds of cases he exa- has examined worldwide. You know, you can get all of his information. You can also get help at www.alienhunter.org. So right now I'm going to call him into the show. I wanted to read that because it's so powerful and when you were saying, you know, how interesting his background is, oh, my God. Yes, definitely. I don't know yeah. how I miss this guy. Yeah, I've known about him for quite a while. I mean, over he's been around since the 90s, but um, um, I just haven't really done, to be honest with you, any real hard research on him until recently. So I'm 
um, and just more of a peripheral. So I'm pretty excited uh, that we're yeah, having him on the show. Let me let me call him in now. Hi, Daryl. This is Charlene. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fine. Glad to be here. Well, we're really excited to have you on, and we we read your uh, impressive portfolio. I mean, uh, you're quite an amazing person, and uh, we're so happy to have you on the show, Daryl. Well, I am delighted to be here. So... So uh, do you want to give us a – I've read your story about um, how you started out and everything else, but do you want to, for our listeners, uh, just give them uh, your background and how this whole thing started? Sure. Um, I am uh, currently at present a, a licensed private investigator in the state of Texas. Um, I don't do gumshoe work, divorces and things like that. I go after uh, financial crimes, uh, people who cheat people out of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars and, in fact, I just put one of them in jail yesterday. Um, anyway, the uh, the fact is that uh, before that, I was in the uh, I've been a private investigator for 38 years. Before that, I was in the military during the Vietnam War, and I was a senior military police officer there. And uh, spent two years in the Central Intelligence Agency in covert operations. And uh, I guess the rationale behind all of that is simply that I bring a heavy investigative background to the UFO phenomena. And in the UFO world, primarily my interest is physical evidence, looking for cases of that. We've done 24 surgeries thus far on people looking for the alleged implants and other evidence that we've found that's uh, quite remarkable. Hi, Daryl. This is Adrian. I'm the co- um, co-host. Pleasure to meet you. Hello, um, Adrian. Hi. How did you get into all this um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who might be hearing you for the first time. What got you into the alien abduction um, research? Well, you might say I was a captive audience. Uh, At the age age four, I found uh, an entity in my room, and of course at the time I didn't realize he was was walking toward the wall, and I thought he was going to bump into the wall. Uh, I didn't know he was leaving and that he was going to walk through the wall. I didn't know that. And uh, he noticed that I was noticing him, and then he realized he had made a mistake, and it, that being me, at age four, was awake and aware that he was in the room, and uh, this uh, provided uh, no small distraction for him. So during those times, especially years ago, they didn't want you to know anything, and um, so uh, he realized he had to correct the situation, and um, by that I mean... uh, uh, I mean, I'm standing there looking at him. I'm sitting up in my bed looking at him, and I, I can't figure out why he hasn't got any clothes on. It's wintertime. He's, he's freezing out there he's in my room, and uh, he hasn't got any clothes on. He's got a white bulbous head, very large head, not the Hollywood version eyes that you see on him. Uh, he, his eyes were perfectly round, large, black, perfectly round eyes. And um, I couldn't figure out uh, another problem he had. When he didn't have any clothes on, of course, he didn't have as a four-year-old boy would say, he didn't have a TT and he didn't have a belly button. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. Now, after 38 years of investigating, I realized if you don't have a genitalia, then you uh, don't procreate. And if you don't have a navel or a belly button, 
you don't get here the way we do. You weren't born, in other words. You were either hatched, cloned, manufactured, or got here some other way. Right. Um, unless could unless one hypothesizes, unless they have uh, where their skin pulls out in certain places, and then the organ might reveal itself. There are animals that well, do that's, that. That's Cuts possible, but something you know what I mean. Whales don't have an apparent like appendage, but there's a slit there where it can pull out. Maybe that might be a way. Not to discount what it, you're saying, but that might be. No, it, 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 that's all that's possible, but uh, after 38 years of investigating these entities up close and personal um, and uh, and having 1,650 cases worldwide, I have a pretty good sense of what they look like and what their physiology is like, and we even have some of their DNA now. Oh, do tell. You, uh, me and, me, both me and Shara are abductees, so we're just, um, this whole phenomenon fascinates us. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, please continue with. Uh, you mentioned um, DNA. Did you, did you interact with Roger um, Lear on this, or um... no, 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 uh, no? Roger Lear started um, a long time ago with me. Um, I invited him to work with me uh, back in 1995, and uh, he did not. He didn't even believe in any of this. He thought the, the whole implant phenomenon was wacky and not true, and everything else, and. Um, uh, I've been doing uh, implant work for uh, since the uh, in the late 80s, and uh, and of course was uh, had my own implant experience in 1960 at age 12. Um, now he worked with me for uh, several years, and then uh, some of our implants uh, started disappearing from our abductees. They were complaining, and finally I had to fire him because of uh, indiscretions like that. And then later he got busted by the podiatry board in the state of California. So I absolved all my dealings with him and just went on, just decided to continue doing what I was doing. But today we've done uh, 24 surgeries thus far, and um, some of the things we've found that seem to yield, uh, we think will yield DNA, we have a DNA specialist that's uh, agreed to come work with us now. And what she has done um, is, uh, what she's interested in doing is looking at some of the fluorescence that we found on these abductees. Fluorescence for your audience is, uh, in other words, if the alien uh, touches you, they, for instance, you say, I'm an abductee, and they took my hand, and they led me off down this hallway down the, in the craft or whatever, it's highly likely that if that's true, if you can uh, check yourself with a black light within 24 hours, uh, no later than 24 hours, you probably will find a fluorescent trace, kind of like, a, uh, like an alien fingerprint, so to speak. And that would be uh, one indicator that, in fact, your case is real because generally sleep paralysis doesn't leave fluorescence or implants in people. True. Now, what color of fluorescence have you, and you've got pictures of the fluorescence and things like that? Oh, yes. We, we have the, not only the pictures of fluorescence, but uh, we take samples of it. And we have about, uh, about 15 samples thus far from all kinds of cases. And what we think that that may yield um, is, in fact, uh, poss the possibility, uh, once it's examined, it may give us the first uh, biological, uh, um, the best way to describe it is a uh, uh, cataloging of the alien. In other words, if we've got 15 samples and there's 15 different entities, that did this, then we've got the first cataloging, for very much like what, when they start first start doing fingerprinting. 
And in that case, we may have the first collection of it. And if we catch other entities with the same exact um, marks, so to speak, the same nanometer length in his DNA, so to speak, then we may, in fact, have uh, an, an opportunity to see if we can actually trail some of these entities and see exactly who, if they're dealing with certain people, uh, more than one group of people, or, uh, or and maybe even give us an answer as to why. Where would you go to get this um, DNA tested? Have you ever thought about where to go and things of that nature? Uh, sure. We we have um, we've had uh, I've had three DNA specialists, uh, and I mean specialists, come on board, um, and all three of them, without exception, uh, quit before they ever got started. And the last one uh, said that uh, called me and told me that their boss had read their emails and said, if you do any work uh, on this, this alien DNA that this guy has, um, you're fired. Wow. And she says, but I'm doing it on my own time, on my own money, uh, et cetera, et cetera. If the company's not included, she says, You'll, you will be fired. So she quit. So now we've got a fourth one, and hopefully this one will last longer than the others. <laughs> <laughs> So there are, there are given, given your, what you're doing, there are other um, people that are medically trained that are doing research on alien implants, not just um, the late Dr. Lear, correct? Well, there are several people. Uh, I was contacted. In fact, I had the three implant cases call me uh, yesterday, and uh, one of them was a uh, uh, remarkable case. It was going on right then at the time, and they, were, they just didn't know what to do with it. I mean, it was doing all kinds of stuff, and they said, How do we, what do we do? How do we package it? What do we do? You know? So I consulted with them and um, and in uh, touch with them now on that. But um, the for the most part, uh, most people don't know anything about implants. They don't know what they are. They don't know where they come from. They don't know whether they're human. They don't know whether they're alien. They don't know uh, much of anything about the implants. I mean, they're just... Uh, much of the stuff I've read on the internet about the implants, I, I just kind of chuckle because it's just, um, I mean, I'm amazed that uh, so many people know so much about implants and yet nobody knew anything about it before 1995. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, until, until I published the first paper, is actually 1994, I, I published a paper at the International Forum for New Science on uh the implants in 1994 also did a presentation at John Muir Medical Hospital for 250 surgeons and doctors on medical complications of alleged human-alien contact, specifically implants. And uh, even there with those 250 surgeons, they didn't have a clue. Um, and the reason is simply because no one knew this stuff exists. And, and, and even if you knew it exists, uh, what is it? And how do you deal with it? What, what, what can it do? Is it good, bad? not, uh, where does it come from, uh, and of course, ever since then, there have just been voluminous stories of, of uh, like, I'll tell you a real quick funny one, uh, 1990, this was 1992, I was uh, speaking at a Tim Beckett conference in San Diego, and this lady walks up, and this beautiful looking lady, and in, in a muumu, and very expensive, like about a $400 dress, I suppose, and she walks up to me, and I've got this big sign behind me, you know, implants and stuff like this. And she says, she takes this deep breath and goes, oh, you have astral implants. And I said, really? 
She said, yes. And I said, well, I used preparation H. I still don't understand what the problem would be. Oh, my what God. Is astral and she looked at me and said, that's not funny. And I said, I thought it was extremely funny. I said, for what low, low price will you move the, remove these from me? And she said, oh, $50 a piece, and you have 10 of them, so that's 500 bucks." I said, nice try. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, at the time, I had about uh, uh, about uh, 500 abductees, and I said, um, hmm, if each one of these has approximately 10 implants, you could remove them 500 bucks a piece. You'd be a very wealthy lady if I fell for your little trick here, wouldn't I? Wouldn't you? And she says, well, I can really do that. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. If you remove them from me, will I know they're gone? She says, no. And I said, are they doing anything wrong? She says, no. And I said, then what do we need you for anyway? And she says, that's a good point. <laughs> so, uh, oh, man, I've met everybody in the world. You, you can't even imagine the people I've met. Well, and they all know everything, and uh, not one of them has that I ever met had any evidence. In fact, the most, my most fun thing with my implants is I pull out my large collection, and and, and especially I love the psychics. They're they're and, and some of them are pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, everyone, without exception, I've pulled my implant box out and let them do their thing. You know, and I never tell them anything. I don't and I don't disparage them or anything like that. I just want to see if they're really good at what they do. And they invariably, every one of them without exception, have picked the fake implants as the real ones. Well, that's interesting. Every one of them. I've never, I just, I'm sitting here just kind of like, well, I don't get it. <laughs> Why is that? But that's really funny. And uh, and the yeah. people say, well, you're just picking on these people. I say, no, I'm not. I, I want to hear somebody that actually can do it. What? And yeah. not, have, not have that happen it. yet. Yeah, that, that I'm makes not going to pay 500 um, bucks to have mine removed, but <laughs> that's the whole research on what you're doing. Oh, my gosh. hands and do that remote. Uh, well, you know, I was at the conference in Roswell one time, and I was sitting at a table. It was actually next to Robert Sellis. This is just the minutes before I met, really met him formally, and I was doing Yvonne Smith and uh, her I was helping her with her books. So I was alone at the table right there. I was showing the books. This guy comes up to me. And I'm telling you, all the characters were showing up. Even a uh, oh, really young, lonely little girl, she looked like she was she was from Avatar movie. She was all dressed up in the makeup. And then oh, one guy yeah. comes up to me, and he says, uh, listen, I love these people. Don't talk about my people, Daryl. But anyway, I was, <laughs> this one guy came up to me, and he said, I have something to tell you, but it's very top secret. I said, well, okay. And uh, he said that he actually could do surgery from a distance. It didn't matter how many miles away he was. He could do this surgery. You know what I mean? When people tell me stuff like that, I know what's coming next. They just want to lay hands on you. <laughs> oh, interesting. Then do it from two miles away. I don't know. I think they, they need help, Daryl. Well, I have one fellow. It was, I had a at our Houston UFO network, which I own and operate in Houston. Uh, we had a uh, one of our a scientist from NASA came up and did a presentation for us the other night. And in fact, he's an abductee. He's uh, one of three that I know out there. And anyway, long story short, <laughs> I told him about a guy I met out at Na the NASA area that, that uh, when they were doing, when John Schuster was running conferences out there years ago, and um, uh, who was the former head of uh, MUFON. <laughs> And this guy came up and tell over, told everybody he had a flying saucer in his garage and he had all this neat stuff. And, I mean, he had everybody just eating out of his hand. 
And I said, do you mind if, if I could just ask a couple of dumb questions? He said, like what? And I said, do you have any credentials at all? Yes. He said, I, my, my guard is a scientist. And he pulled it out, and I, I, I actually, I was aghast when I read it. It said his name, and I won't embarrass him by putting his name out because he's not around anymore anyway, because that show didn't last long. It said rocket scientist. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, you hear people say, I'm a rocket scientist. No. <laughs> I had rocket scientist under his name. Well, I think, I don't think rocket scientists actually will say rocket scientists. They would say engineer or some sort of thing. So Yeah, that would that, be a little better. That is, yeah, it's a little better. So I know, um, you know, this uh, field attracts every kind of person, every kind of thing. And what I do is that... Uh, I keep it, uh, I don't know, me and uh, what we do, actually I pass it by Adrian and we'll yell about stuff for a couple of days if we're really outraged and then we'll laugh about the other stuff. So you really need people to talk to about this. Don't you agree, Daryl? You really need to be able to talk to sift it all out. Oh, you, you do. Uh, and people that have gone through these experiences, some of them horrific events and some of them benign uh, but the, one of my best ad advices to people is that they uh, join a support group. Uh, we've got one online for a lot of people that don't have one, and these are contactees, abductees, and uh, and and it's it's about support. It's not about picking on people or my view's right and you're wrong, you're crazy or whatever. But it's about uh, support and g giving these people uh, a cushion for their experience and friendship that they may be alienated from literally with a lot of their family or other people. It's tough. Uh, it's tough sometimes to do that because you've got such, like with people that you've run into, <clears throat> where we're trying to really, you know, use our critical thinking skills to the best of our ability given this crazy phenomenon. And then you've got these, you know, confabula conscious confabulators, you know, the so-called Dr. Reed, you know, or Stan Romanek. Or one oh, of my gosh. I... Those guys, Don't even mention that name. They muck it all up, and you know they're getting I, followers, and it's like, oh, good God! I, mean, I have people that still call me about him and say every word he said is true. And I said, well, I said one of the best ways to check that stuff out is take the picture of his alien and show it to all your abductees. I said if they have constant contact with these entities, they would know, wouldn't they? Since they're eyewitnesses. And I said, not one of mine was able to identify his alien. Not one. In, a, in an ideal world, I mean, how do you think um, alien abduction research should be done? And do you implement those ideal methods in your research? Well, um, we have uh, I, I, I developed the first protocols for uh, alien abduction uh, work back in the 1980s. Uh, and there's only one I even knew about from anyone else. There may have been other people who had it, but I'd never, never seen this. So... I developed my own questionnaires and everything, and uh, Dale Musser was my senior investigator uh, back in the early 90s, and uh, he's an engineer. Uh, and anyway, he uh, framed it, and we, we even put it together even in a better sense. And then, uh, of course, in a, as a, when I did my presentations in the, uh, in the late 80s, I started finding out about the implants. I, I knew that implants existed because I knew it from my own event in, in 1960. But I wanted to find out if other people had had similar experiences or different or anything like it. And so um, after I uh, 
started coming to this kind of evidence, I decided that I was going to start removing some of these objects. And um, and then I took a uh, a doctor from uh, Dr. Lipson from uh, uh, Northern California called me at a, a conference I was doing down in Atlanta, and he said, "Would you like to come and speak to a couple hundred doctors, to about 250 of them?" On uh, and I said, "You're kidding." And he said, "I said on what?" And he said, "Well, alien abduction." And I said, "Okay." Um, uh, and he says, "What's your subject?" And I said, well, "Medical complications of alleged human alien contact." Now this was a uh, an AMA sponsored uh, educational program for MDs. These are surgeons. They're all kinds of people. And uh, this went on for about an hour and a half in a million dollar complex uh, at John Muir Medical Hospital. Um, it, it was uh, rather fascinating because in that um, literally in the uh, presentation, I outlined four things that would would be true. If the I said the, I showed them some implants and and uh, and X-rays and things I had, and I said if these implants are in fact are real, four things are going to be true uh, once we remove them. And and of course uh, the challenge is what's that? And I said well, first of all, is these objects that we're looking at here, which appear to be uh, metallic objects or at least radio opaque, I said there will be no chronic or acute inflammatory cells around the objects when we remove them. Of course, they're like, well, how can you know that? How, you can't know that. And I said, well, I'm making predictions here. The second thing is that nerve cells present will be inappropriate for the affected area. And third, the objects will be absent of any discernible technology if they are, in fact, alien-related. And uh, then I told them the last thing. I uh, said the metal uh, or plastic or ceramic objects that we're looking at here in my opinion, are passe, and uh, they're literally from five to fifty years out of date. And I said, ultimately, I said, we'll in the future we'll be looking at things that are vastly different than this. And I think these are just objects basically left over in many of these people from uh, in, uh, surgical from from the alien contact many many years prior. Anyway, after our first uh, uh, surgery, uh, the uh, the uh, doctors were involved. Uh, there were three of them involved, and they said, uh, "Oh my God! You know, you're not going to believe this, but they're, this has a non, a non, a biological cocoon around it, and it's, uh, it's, it's non-inflammatory. How could you know that?" And I said, "Well, you got to understand. I was there in 1960 in my own event. I was wide awake during the events. I watched what was going on to me." So uh, so just because I was an abductee doesn't mean I forgot everything or didn't know. I just happened to remember and uh, wanted to remember all that. How did you remember? Was it a conscious memory or was it through um, hypnosis? Like my mind, I just have this this little bits and pieces and stuff. Um, How did you develop such a strong narrative? Well, that's a great question. Uh, The the rationale for it uh, started at age four. Uh, when the, the entity realized that I was awake and now he's got to figure out how to make me not remember, uh, he starts walking toward me and something strange happened to his eye. I'm not sure, some kind of a movement, and I'm not sure what that meant, but I saw a little red, uh, like a lighter edge uh, under the black eye cover, 
at that point I realized that's that's not his eye, that's some kind of an eye cover or something that's like sunglasses or something. And as he got close to me, uh, I, I, you got to understand, I was not afraid. I was not scared jumping up and down. In 1952, nobody knew what an alien was anyway. I mean, especially little kids. I mean, my parents wouldn't let me watch an alien movie if there was one. So uh, he kept coming closer to me, and at that moment, he, uh, I became uh, paralyzed literally with fear. And, uh, and I mean, I, I, I couldn't figure out, how did that happen? How did he do that? And after years of investigating, I finally figured out what he's doing. And what he's doing with these people is he lives in a very, um, uh, very extremely structured world, and there's a great deal of fear in it. And what he's doing is transferring his fear to you. And the suggestion oh. of paralysis, and it, it just wipes you out. You just can't move. You, I mean, you think you can't. You actually can, but you have to learn how to defeat that purpose. Okay, can I ask you a question because this is hitting on something so important because I've had that paralyzing fear and also immediate panic and rage and then mm. fight mode. I've had both of those. And uh, um, you have a revolutionary hypnotherapy that deals with screen memories and and you're saying like such as three layers deep and also... This is the other other thing that you were talking about on your website is that you you have a okay this is I'm gonna read the whole thing so uh, you can answer okay first abduction research is to in, initiate reaction from alien species via post hypnotic suggestions installed behind the abductee subconscious because this these two things that I just talked to you the three layers deep and behind this uh, the abductee subconscious. There is something uh, working all the time because I have seen some very uh, odd things and uh, I have been talking to a couple people and they say that they're actually like sometimes they can have you see what you want to see and that they're some kind of suggestion or whatever. And what you're saying here to me it was stunning because you're acknowledging, uh, acknowledging that this is true. It's stunning to uh, in fact, it, it is true. There's there's a lot more going on than than what we've been led to yeah. believe. Uh, you have to understand that uh, I, I've, I've been around, I'm older than dirt, and I've been around this thing, this business for a long, long time. And uh, uh, and all, all I'm saying is that I'm also a master hypnotherapist. I need to explain this to your audience a little bit. A master hypnotherapist is the person that certifies people like hypnotherapists. I mean, they got to get their training from somebody. And they got to get certified. So I'm the kind of guy that would certify people like this. The second thing is I'm a, a hypnotic anesthesia therapist, which means I go to surgery with people and provide uh, anesthesia, either partial or or total, for uh, their surgical interventions. Uh, some people uh, actually read their contract uh, concerning taking uh, uh, a general anesthesia, and it basically tells you you can die. And uh, some people don't want to roll the dice. And so they call me for that sort of thing. The third thing is I'm also a medical hypnotherapist, and which takes me into the other, other areas of the medical field uh, for uh, interventions. So when I uh, uh, talk about this, uh, I took all my skills uh, from hypnotherapy, uh, master-level NLP, uh, timeline therapy, and many other things like this, and applied it to the abduction phenomena and in effect trying to help a lot of these people because 
I don't charge anything for my uh, uh, hypnotic anesthesia for these people and their surgical interventions, nor do I charge anything for their uh, uh, any hypnotic work I have to do with them to uh, help them with their their difficulties. But I mean, I've already been through it, so I, I don't I, I don't care who does charge. I'm just saying that I don't, and the reason is I just can't justify knowing what a lot of these people have gone through and me t- turn around charging them money for it. And I just I can't deal with that. But So what I've done is to look at uh, a, a broken uh, a lot of things down from the hypnotic point of view. And um, and, uh, and, I, and I also understand the fallacies of, of hypnosis, too. I mean, there, there are limits and there are, and there are mistakes that can be made in, in hypnosis. For instance, uh, for your audience, uh, uh, hypnotherapy is never dangerous. Hypnosis can be. And what I mean by that is people go into a state of hypnosis at least twice every day, whether they know it or not. And all these people, I can't be hypnotized. Yes, you can. If you go to sleep and you you drift off, you go to sleep and you wake up in the morning, sometimes you're a little listless, you wake up and everything, you've already been in a state of hypnosis. Just because somebody didn't call it hypnosis doesn't mean it didn't exist. So it's a naturally occurring state to begin with. And all a hypnotist does basically is to guide you through that process and just facilitate it in and, and, and hopes that they can uh, pull up some memory there too. But as I discussed with uh, Dr. John Mack in Istanbul, Turkey, uh, he wow. asked me, he said, why is it that you, he said, I always come up with contactees, and he said, you seem to come up with all abductees. Why is that, Daryl? And I said, well, um, I said, well, I first of all, I honor you for your uh, uh, wonderful accomplishments and your Pulitzer Prize writing, and et cetera, et cetera, and your position as the chief medical psychiatry at Harvard and so on. He said, uh, thank you. And I said, so when we discuss this and have an argument, we're talking science. He said, that's correct. And I said, very good. So I said, the problem, uh, in, in my view, is, number one, I said, first of all, I have abductees as well as contactees. I said, you're, so you're, un, you're misinformed there. Number two is that um, the situation is that, um, I, in my view, and I said, and, and this is just my view, of course, and he said, certainly. He said, no problem. I said, in my view, you're hypnotizing these people's screensaver memory. You're not hypnotizing their memory. You're doing you're doing something. You're hypnotizing the lie that the alien gave them to begin with, or the false memory. If there is a false memory syndrome, the alien invented it because they are the author of it. And that's why people come back and say, "Well, I met a three foot owl with large black eyes at three o'clock in the morning. He was wounded walking down the street." Well, what are you doing out three o'clock in the morning looking for wounded owls with large black eyes walking down the street? So that's that's a nonsensical thing given to you to make you believe that it couldn't have happened. It's too nonsensical. Well, the fact is, when you work with people, and I and I did this out in California not long ago. That you you love this story. Uh, I illustrated this point perfectly. What I what I just mentioned to Dr. John Mack. There's a difference between recall and memory. If you hypnotize somebody's recall, you're not going to get memory. You're going to get something else. And often it's a non-ending story. I mean, it can go on forever. So what I did in the audience, there were psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, therapists, and there was hypnotherapists there too. This was out in, uh, uh, this, I think it was in the, uh, I did this for a MUFON group out there uh, years ago. Anyway, uh, so I, uh, this lady volunteered. She was a hypnotist, and I said, may I hypnotize you? And she said, certainly, and that's okay. And so I did a stage show with her. 
and everybody was laughing, and she was in this hot bus, and it was cold, it was freezing, and all kinds of fun stuff, and everybody was laughing and going on, and she was laughing, and, and I pulled her out of her trance and said, uh, how was your trip? And she laughed and said, oh, it's incredible. She starts describing things I never put in the su- suggestions. She said, the bus driver had this short, sticky little hair, and he was really weird looking, and I said, sweetie, I never said anything about a bus driver. Hmm. And I said, my point to you is the following. And then she kind of got a little bit embarrassed. I said, you never went anywhere. There was no bus. There was no driver. Nothing happened. That was all fabricated here by me and you. And you believed it. And you're probably still partly believing it. I said, that's called, a, a, that's called recall. You're recalling something that was given to you that wasn't true. I said, now, I said, thank you, and everybody clapped her hands, and she went and sat down, and I said, now I want to work with someone. I'm not going to hypnotize them, but it's someone who's metanordic, and she thinks they're the best thing since sliced bread. And the lady came down, sat down, and uh, she said, I'm very nervous. I said, don't be. Just look at me. Pay attention to the audience. I said, they're just people just like me and you. And I said, so you met this Nordic person. She said, oh, yes, he was wonderful. I love him so much. He just, he's been my best friend. And I said, well, that's great. You know, I'm so glad to hear all this. Um, well, tell me about him. And so she's told me this story, which obviously, in my opinion, after working with 1,650 people before and literally thousands other than that, um, <laughs> When you hear certain things, you know exactly when you're into recall and when you're into memory. And this wasn't memory. But to her, it was perfect It was perfect memory. And so I said, okay, well, I'm not going to hypnotize you or anything like that. I just want to talk to you for a second, and I want to use an NLP technique. And I'm going to do this, and I'm just going to reach over and just touch you right there on the hand, if you don't mind. She says, yes. And I said, okay. And I took her back the very first time she ever saw the Nordic, the one she loved so dearly. And I mean, she was in tears. She just loved him so much. And she started screaming to the height of her voice, and everyone in the room, and the psychologist and the, psych, the psychiatrist that were sitting in the front row were freaking out. And and I said, so in, uh, anyway, so um, the point I was getting at was that what we have here, even without hypnosis, you can pull up memory. And the fact is, the first time she met the so-called Nordic, it wasn't exactly the experience that she uh, was led to believe. And that's her memory. That is, and your body remembers all this stuff. It really does. It does. So, it's, uh, doing, it's, like the hypnosis that I've experienced with, with Yvonne Smith, it's more, my experience with it is it's more of a, um, like a relaxation technique. And then hopefully when you're in, in a certain um, relaxed state, then the hopes is that certain things will, 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 will come out. My, I had a strong block. Um, Yes, but I, but I got a sense that if somebody wanted to confabulate or lie, they really could. Um, do you pay attention to certain speech patterns or yes, I do. body language, or I what do. kind of techniques do you use to, to tell whether per, a person is consciously or unconsciously confabulating? <laughs> You're asking some great, really great questions. I really, really admire you. Um, I have two answers to that. Number one is. Uh, uh, first, I want to address the block issue. Second, but I'll answer your your, your this question here first. Uh, the uh, the fact is, I teach uh, with how to determine whether people are lying or telling the truth just by watching them. 
and I do this uh, at on a college level. I uh, taught it actually during um, uh, when I was in Marseille, France. In fact, uh, Bud Hopkins was sitting in the audience, uh, and the whole audience was uh, was French. And of course, I couldn't speak. I spoke three words French. I asked them "Parlez vous français?" and they all started laughing. And uh, then I had this guy up there who only spoke French, who had a UFO story, and I told him that I would tell, I would have the translator ask him question, my questions, and I would determine whether he was lying or telling the truth. And in fact, I would answer a lot of his questions for him before he ever answered. And I did, and uh, they were very surprised, of course, and he was more surprised than anybody. But the point is that uh, as a former police officer and uh, and trainer for a master level NLP, this uh, this is what I do. But um, uh, so that's one one way you can do it. Number two is I'm a handwriting analyst, and as soon as I look at your handwriting, when you're filling out the 20-page form of mine, and I start seeing consistency, when you start filling out that 20-page form of mine, and I start seeing massive inconsistencies in your handwriting with your experience. Yeah. I know. I know you're not telling the truth. So uh, that, there's a there are a whole whole list of tools I use, most of which I never tell anybody anything because I don't want them to know. And if I'm not impressed with the information I'm getting or and 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 watching, then I will simply smile at these people and say, "Well, thank you so much for sharing and all that, and uh, we'll get in touch with you later." Which means I didn't buy it. It's not working. The second part of the story, which is fascinating to me, is what you brought up, what I really like, is blocks. Yes. So uh, Bud Hopkins and I were at a, speaking at a conference in uh, Sioux Falls uh, years ago, and this lady, uh, we were fixing to go eat, eat dinner together, and, and this lady walks up and says, uh, Mr. Sims, would you please work with me? And I said, sweetie, it's like 10 at, 10 at night, we're fixing to go eat, I mean, it's Good night. I got to get up at six in the morning, get the flight out of here. Um, and she's please, please, a real small, diminutive lady, just kindest lady ever, so elderly lady. I said, oh goodness. Uh, well, fill out my twenty-page forms, and if, when I get back, if you're still here, I'll work with you. And she says, thank you. So we went and ate and came back, and there she was. And I thought, oh my gosh, she actually filled it all out. So um, I said, well, who are you? And so she talked to me for a while and says, I'm. Uh, uh, a retired surgical nurse. And I said, oh, well, okay. And um, so anyway, so I said, all right. I said, I, I, since you've waited so long and done all this, I'll, I'll just I'll go ahead and work with you. And I said, tell me about your experience. She said, well, I don't know anything about, she didn't know anything about UFOs or aliens or nothing. She just didn't have a clue. She knew she had some kind of an experience and she didn't understand it. You're going to love this story. She said, all I know is that I saw, uh, I went to a hypnotist and he hypnotized me and um, all I remember is two shadowy little beings, little small people, running out of the room. And that's as far as we got because there was this block. And I can't, I couldn't get past the block and he can't, he couldn't do it. And I said, she said, can you do that? And I said, yes. And she says, uh, why is that? And I said, well, because I understand how he thinks. I said, I didn't spend 38 years reading people's stories. I said, number one, I was there many times in my events for 13 years. I understand how he thinks. I know, he knows certainly how I think. I said, but I didn't, I wouldn't be in a victim every time I was in my event. I was learning. 
And so that's number one. Number two, I said he's, they install a block generally when you either saw or heard something you weren't supposed to see or hear. And they don't want that out. They don't want hypnotists or anybody getting to it, period. And in rare cases, we've actually found blocks up to three layers deep on people. That's fairly rare, though, fairly rare. So in this lady, I said, okay, I said, uh, <clears throat> I talked to her. Well, of course, all the time I'm talking to her, looking at her form to see if she's got uh, in her handwriting, uh, you know, an ability to lie, to fabricate, and things like that. I saw none of that in her handwriting. And, of course, I'm talking to her. I'm watching her every, I'm studying her neurology, so I, I know she's lying anyway just by watching her. And I was very impressed with her, and I said, um, I think I'll go ahead and work with you on your case tonight. And she said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I said, uh, she said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to do some closed eye processing. What does that mean? I said, well, close your eyes. And the next thing she knew, she was sitting there. And I uh, uh, started with her like we did in, in her event before. Went all the way up to the part where the, there was this block, and nothing else could happen. So what I did was a remarkable technique I developed by watching the alien and what he does. Because there's nothing they can do to us that we can't undo. You, you, if you, if you choose to study it and do it, we, we, we are not helpless, hapless people in his hands. That's just not true. That you can choose to do that or do nothing, but if you choose to do something else, something else happens. So basically what happened is I took her through, uh, back through her event uh, with a specialized technique I developed in which uh, you can't, you see, you can't lie backwards. What does that mean? Yes. yes uh, any uh, any good it. any good police officer knows that. That's why they question you yeah. and they take your story apart and then they start making you. They work it backwards. You can't lie backwards. You're going to get caught every time. Okay. You're eventually wow. going to get caught. The second thing is that uh, you can't um, you you <laughs> you don't have. That's um, uh, the best way to state this so that your audience will appreciate it. You can't um, have anxiety about the past. Anxiety is a future event. It's future. It's not, it's not past. You can be upset about it or angered or whatever, but you're not going to be... It, it has to be a future event. It's something you're looking toward or moving toward or you think is going to happen. So, what is the, so the fact was that her block involved the future and something that they didn't want her to see and so on and so on. So what I did is go to the future and went backwards. And instantly, she opened, uh, a few seconds later, she opened her eyes. Oh, my God. And she's wide-eyed and sitting there talking to me. She says, oh, my God, I know what the long bendable needle was now. And because she's a surgical nurse anyway. And uh, this is a case also, by the way, before Betty and Barney Hill with that long bendable needle. And she's describing it in detail. And she's, oh, my God. And she says, I said, so what happened, sweetie? And she said, well, I, my husband and I, I was going to quit my medical field, my, my nursing, and I was going to become a housewife, and we're going to have kids. But during this time, before I finished up my career this, this year, we weren't going to have sex. And I said, okay. And I said, Ann? And she said, well, that night, she said, uh, this long bendable needle, it's whatever device they had there, she said, spilled semen all over me. Well, she thought it was her husband. She didn't realize it was them. So she goes over and starts slapping him silly while he's asleep saying he's a stupid fool, and she called him all kinds of names, and uh, they divorced. I said, you mean you divorced your husband over this? She said, she still hasn't put together this is a UFO event. She doesn't get it. She, doesn't, she didn't have a clue. 
And I said, well, goodness. Uh, and she said, yes, we divorced because he broke his promise. And I said, uh, okay, well, wait. Uh, <laughs> what happened? She said, well, I got pregnant. What do you think? And I said, uh, wait, wait. Uh, so the, the fetus disappeared in the first trimester. She didn't understand. She'd never read any UFO anything. She didn't know anything. And she says, why are you saying that? And finally, I said, why don't I just let you tell your story? And she said, please do. And she said, well, I got pregnant, of course. And I said, and? She said, well, I had a kid. What do you think I would have? I said, oh, my. Um, you think your, uh, is, your, is your son still alive? She says, of course he is. And he's a young man. I said, okay. Uh, do you think he would be up to uh, allowing me to do a DNA test on you and uh, him? And she said, of course. And I said, the next question I have, of course, was there anything unusual about the birth of your child? She said, yeah, he looked like a human grasshopper when he was born. She said, scared me half to death. She said, he's wow. normal now, but he certainly wasn't then. So she came to slow realization what you were trying to let her know what was really going on? I didn't bother to tell her. I just let her tell me. And uh, so what we're doing now is uh, collecting the physical evidence from her. Wow. Okay, we're, so are we're doing you the DNA testing that, now. Yeah, okay. So you're saying that her child may even be a hybrid at this point. I doubt that. Uh, there, okay. we, we've done a lot of work in this realm. Uh, okay, let me let me take it backwards a little bit. Um, it is, it, it is consum- generally assumed, because they're, they're almost in the useful field, there's very little evidence. Uh, so most of it is conjecture or assumption. So it's assumed that if, um, in her case, she was artificially inseminated, therefore she would, uh, that she would uh, if, she, if she had a child and came to, came to term, which this almost never happens, uh, like this, and that it would be a hybrid. Uh, well, first of all, that's not beyond detection. The DNA will show that right off. Uh, but I told her, uh, and she still doesn't have a clue. She does, I mean, she really doesn't know what's going on here. So uh, generally speaking, when a person uh, is artificially inseminated, um, one of two things will happen, generally. The first thing that will happen is uh, there'll be... Uh, an alien entity, basically, artificially inseminated in the individual. And, of course, MUFON kind of poo-pooed this here a while back because they said that uh, these women either didn't know their bodies, they had spontaneous absorption, or they just had an abortion, or the event didn't happen, period. And uh, so my last presentation I did for a MUFON group up in uh, Wisconsin, I told them, I said, I understand you've come to this conclusion, but I would like to respectfully uh, disagree with evidence, of course. And then what I showed them was, uh, I told them the story, uh, another, a different one, about a, an artificial insemination uh, that was alien-related, uh, specifically alien, and uh, then I showed them the sonograms of the entity still in the woman. Uh, you yeah. could have heard a pin drop on the carpet, a pin drop. Well, so... Are you saying once the baby was out, he momentarily may have looked like a grasshopper, or, you know, because it can be folded up and look funny, and it then uh, quick. You think a surgical nurse would know that? They've yeah, seen just about everything from 30 years of her. For your audience's uh, 
purview, this might be might be interesting. Um, artificial insemination, when it does occur, which uh, which we don't know how often it occurs, uh, we just don't know. I mean, I I probably got a probably a half a dozen cases, but but I don't know how much that is in the population. I don't know, uh, but I look for it. So, but basically, artificial insemination probably, uh, generally speaking, is uh, the taking of sperm from a man and placing, uh, even taking eggs from a woman and maybe even installing them in another woman. And uh, I told the uh, the lady, I said, because uh, uh, someone asked the question, well, will the will her child be in a hybrid? I said, well, gen- I said, there's different levels of this stuff going on. Uh, generally speaking, in the general sense, no, it will not. I said, what's going to happen is they're going we're going to do a DNA test and basically we're going to show that uh, the mommy's... Uh, the daddy's not the daddy. And I said, but that's not going to surprise any doctor. They're just going to say, well, she's been sleeping around. You know, no big surprise here. And uh, the thing I said, I tell the people when I work with them, I said, please don't argue with the doctor. Don't let me handle it. I've been, this is not my first rodeo. I said, the th- second thing I'll do is produce another piece of evidence which will show that uh, the mommy's not the mommy. Now you've got a problem. Because mm-hmm. she just had it. So how does that happen? Well, uh, it's called artificial insemination, actually. And the second level that this occurs is a are cases which uh, we suspect are, are hybrid related. But again, I, I don't have any. I, I don't have. That's that's not true. I'm not telling you a true story. I don't have a lot of hybrid information. I do have some pictures of some uh, of several bodies. Uh, they're not on the internet, and you're never going to see them on the internet. I mean, I, this a lot of this stuff you see on the internet is just it's so ridiculously stupid. I just, it's I just fake. Can't yeah. I, I just can't believe. It. I mean, I, somebody sent me a picture of like 30 aliens the other day, and I said, "Well, I can't say they're all not true. I can only say that uh, all of them, except one of them, because I've not seen that one, and I don't know who did that one on a uh, computer or not." I said, "But I'm uh, just telling you that uh, anyway." So another another possibility, of course, is the lady. Another the other case I told you about that had the uh, had the sonograms of the alien inside her. Now I do have those, and I took those same sonograms again. Not saying I'm a UFO investigator, so I what I say is important. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So I took the sonograms to England to a fetal hospital. This is a, a hospital for specialists in in pediatrics for children. And babies, and uh, I took the sonograms, and I told the doctor, one of the chief doctors there, and I said, uh, uh, so "Doctor, I said I'd like for you to look at these." A private investigator from Houston, Texas. This is not a court case. I would just like your opinion on these sonograms, and I, I just don't know how to read them. I don't know what I'm looking at here. And she says, oh, "That's fine. Uh, may I bring a consult in?" I said, "Please do." She brought in her associate, another doctor. And she started laying the sonograms out across the table and said, wait, what, what, this is not right. This is not right. And I said, what is it that's not right, my ask? And she says, well, whoever took the sonograms was, never, was not concerned about the, the development of the fetus. That doesn't make any sense. I said, oh, okay. Well, could you tell me what they might have been looking at? And she picks up one of the sonograms and looks at it and says, oh, my God, what a strange little head. 
I've never seen anything like it. Now, you understand, these people in fetal hospitals have worked with every kind of mutation and problem with a yeah. human being you can imagine as children from hydrocephalus to you name it. And she said, I've never seen a large bulbous head like that with a small pointed chin. That is so strange. And I took the sonograms and uh, said, thank you so much for your input and and I appreciate your time. And she just stood there just not knowing what to say, took the sonograms and went back to Houston. My point is, that I wanted a medical doctor who didn't know have a clue about any of this or aliens or anything to make that determination for me. I did not want to influence the opinion of anybody. This is incredible, and I hope you're keeping all this in a safe place because uh, we need more evidence. They always say, well, where's the evidence, you know, the naysayers? <laughs> and I know that, well, we're the evidence because I'm telling you the truth, and we're witnesses. You're the best and- evidence. You yeah, are. You, so what, you, you, listen, you one of these about? days, one of these days, uh, I was on a, doing a, the TV show with uh, uh, the last four I did with uh, for Animal Planet with uh, Uncovering Aliens, and I'm talking to the uh, contactee there. I'm an abductee. He's a contactee, and we're talking. We're eating dinner the last night in Sedona, and I said, um, Stephen, I said, one of these days, things are going to change, and I said, when everybody finds out what's really going on on a big level. I said, you're, you're going to be a national hero. And he said, so will you. I said, be it that as it may. I said, because you came forward when no one else did, and other people hid out, and other people ridiculed and scoffed and laughed and everything. I said, you'll be a national hero before this is over. I said, because I'm telling you, people are going to be looking at you like, oh, my gosh. And he said, well, yeah, but you're the guy that's got all the evidence. And I said, well, yeah, that may be true. But my point is you're an eyewitness. You came forward. I did. But people who do that, I said, I, have, I hold them in great esteem because they're doing what others will not, can't, or won't do. They just won't. They will not come forward because they're scared for whatever reason. And I don't see how, on a personal level, I don't see that we, we can do that and be true to ourselves. We just, you, you just, yeah. you've got to come out with it. you just got to. You have to because um, I've been, you know, getting help for many years and actually, I got help through Dr. Mack. I, I thought if I, you know, all these things are happening, if I'm this nuts, I better go to the best. So I wrote a letter to Dr. Mack, and he wrote me back and said he would take me in a second. And because uh, I was born in Boston, right over there near Harvard, where he was working. So, uh, but I, I live in California now. But um, he introduced me to Yvonne Smith, and that's how I've been getting help all these years. But I actually didn't come out out till just a, a couple years ago. Just before I started doing this show, and I realized we all, mm. if we're going to be, if we're going to be authentic and through and through in all of our lives, we have to just tell, tell the truth. You know, it That's sounds it. crazy. Uh, it'll freak people out, but the the good ones, the people that have an ear, you, I've gotten so much help since I've I've been talking about this. You know what I mean? Since I came out in a more open way, let's say. And because it, because people do admire it. And yeah, it will help you. And that's what I love support groups for. Yeah, that, I can't even believe what has happened to me since. And uh, my f- family and even close friends have watched what's happened. Well, Adrian's one of them. Adrian, uh, we met in, uh, through Yvonne Smith, and uh, he's my co-host now. And uh, I, I met him because uh, we have sort of an affinity, and he's a brilliant man, aren't you, Adrian? He's brilliant. Uh. Anyway... You tell that from his question. 
<laughs> anyway, but then we realized we agreed on so much, but it was very difficult because of what we do. But look what you do. Like, I'm a forensic counselor. As I told you, I work with federal prisoners. You know, I'll probably lose my job over this fairly shortly, but, uh, you know, I'm actually <laughs> actually can't go back. It's too late. It's already out. I'm going to stay who I am, and I'm just going to tell yeah. the truth all the yeah. time. You know, so. Well, I, uh, well, I was on uh, several p- radio programs back in the early 90s, and I got some fascinating uh, mail, physical mail, from people, and the mail I got, uh, a number of prisoners, uh, federal and county, wrote me, um, state, state and federal is what I really mean to say, uh, wrote yeah. me about, because they, they heard these radio programs I was on, and started describing to me uh, detailed descriptions of their encounters while in prison. One oh, of them well, not only got yeah. abducted while in prison, but he said the he said my guard got abducted with me, and said he can't come forward. He would, except for one thing. He said if he admits that he was not physically present, on the, that's grounds for firing. So they don't have to say you're a weirdo, an alien weirdo. You're just getting fired, you know, because you admit you were not on your job. So he couldn't do it. Yeah, that was hilarious. I, I just uh, but anyway, I've got a, a file full of these people that got abducted still in jail. Doesn't make any difference. It's just so strange because I've heard, you know, I've heard, I can't tell the stories. I'll tell you on the side sometime. But I, sure. I, I can't tell all the stories, but I've heard some stuff that's really incredible, you know, that uh, I don't know what to say. Um, now, I'm, are you available for any questions? If you have any questions in chat, go ahead and... Um, Ask, but then I'm I'm interested in this other thing that, that you're talking about. Uh, you there was a double mass abduction of 1992. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. Um, this was a. Uh, I, I'm, first of all, let me state that I'm ex-intelligence. I spent two years Central Intelligence Agency in covert operations. That's a spy operation uh, run by the Central Intelligence Agency uh, out of Virginia, of course. And uh, while there, um, I Notice, as an abductee, I never sit around and told these people all this stuff, but I did uh, run some abduction cases back then. That was 1968 uh, while I was in the CIA, uh, and uh, some of the cases came out of the famous William and Mary College, of all places. And my point being is I, while I was in the CIA, I realized that the alien is doing the same exact thing the CIA does, and most odd and any other spy agency does. They lie, and they lie consistently. They tell these whoppers. That's they right. cover. They have cover stories. They lie. They prevaricate. They give you misinformation and and disinformation. And, and, and just uh, the whoppers are just amazing. I mean, right. they tell you from the planet Banlon. You know, that's a like that's a shirt. That's you know, right. or <laughs> bands of deodorant. You know. Um, so many of, I need to interject. There's so many. Uh, I don't hear enough people saying that. I'm glad to hear. It. Because that's that's the kind of pattern that I see that you're mentioning. My father used to be in a, a CIC, and so I, I met a few of his friends. So I, I I just know just by association. It's like when I when I hear about what the, these aliens are doing, I'm saying it sounds like you know counterintelligence stuff. They do stuff to mislead. Thank you. To confuse you, all sorts of stuff. You you couldn't have said it said it better in my opinion, and that was the basis of the, the December event, the mass abduction event. 
what it was is I picked out a contact because I knew if somebody's if I picked out an abductee that say, see there, your prejudice, you you wanted an abductee, somebody like you. No, I picked out somebody that wasn't like me, uh, contactee that was a very nice lady, and I said I want to do an experiment, and she says, uh, was it what what are we going to do? And I said, well, I can't tell you. That's the nature of the the beast. I said this is in this was in December, this was uh, before that. It was in the um, uh, in November, and she uh, she said you have helped all of us, and you're probably out hundreds of thousands of dollars in counseling and everything else in hypnosis. You you've never charged any of us. You you're philanthropic in your view, and we just can't believe you did. It said she said I will help you do anything you want to do, Daryl, and I said I just need your brain, and I can't tell you what I'm going to do because I can't tell you. And she said I volunteer, and I said okay, so I put it on film. And uh, all she knew was, she didn't know anything, basically. <clears throat> what I did, I found a piece of information that I thought was very damning. In other words, if you're, if you're in the intelligence business, let's say you're a spy, and you go over to your friend's house having dinner, and for some bizarre reason, your friend just blurts out this information about your spying business. And they don't know you're a spy. They don't know about that operation. Do uh, you think you might be real interested in them at that point? Trust me, you would for years to come. So what I did is found a piece of information in an abductee that I thought was pretty damning, if true, to the alien presence, if it's true. How am I going to know if it's true? Well, the reason they call me the alien hunters because I hunt them that hunted me and hunted my son and later hunted all kinds of other people. So I wanted to uh, pass the fear thing and all that. I don't give a hoot about all that. Uh, I want to see if I can catch catch them and some of their stuff. So I took this this memory from this guy, and I transferred it to the lady. I installed amnesia on the front part of it, so that she couldn't, uh, so that <clears throat> they could never see it, because they'll they'll download your information instantly when they pick you up. They they'll know all kinds of stuff about you. So I installed amnesia so they couldn't, she could, they couldn't get it because she didn't know what it was, if there was one. And the second thing I did is install amnesia on the backside of it so that if they ever did find out anything, they wouldn't be able to find out where it came from. So it's, this is an intelligence operation is what I'm telling you, that I'm doing on an abductee who contacted who volunteered. Because I knew she gets picked up about every month or two, so I figured uh, I'm going to set this thing to go off 20 inches in front of that alien. And I get the, with a specialized system of, uh, of uh, work that I've done with these entities and with the, this lady. So anyway, uh, next time she got abducted, uh, later that month, um, they were picking her up, and there's an amazing story, but very similar with her events. And then um, all of a sudden, I, I can't believe she did this. <laughs> she got within 20 inches of it, and she blurted out, Daryl knows what you're doing. That was not exactly what I wanted her to say. And then she said something weird. She said, I don't know what I said next, but I blurted out a bunch of information. I don't know where it came from. Of course, that was the information I wanted them to hear. Because I want to know if, they get a, if I get a, can get a reaction out of them. Do they like it, not like it? Does it matter? Does it doesn't mean anything or what? So the long and the short of it is this. Apparently, they were quite upset. She said, "She said I have, he's picked me up for 30 years. I'm 33, 
And since I was three, he's picked me up, and I've never seen an emotion on his face ever. She said he was just in abject horror when I blurted out what it she said, And I don't know what it was I said. I don't even remember it. Anyway, uh, December 8th, 1992, they came with small craft and picked up eight of our people in two states and several cities. They came back and picked them up again on three nights later on December 11th, 1992. And they were all taken to this massive craft, according to the engineer and others who were present in this abduction event. They picked up my senior investigator. Of course, if you want to know what Daryl's doing, that would be a good idea. Just get him and he'll probably tell you everything since he's an abductee. And they get up there and uh, on this massive craft and they everything is, they've never seen a craft this big for them. In fact, uh, when my senior investigator described it to me, uh, I was a little dubious about it at first. I was. And he said, I thought you would, you'd think that that was too big. And I said, 50 miles across, uh, 50 miles thick and 600 miles across? That's pretty big, Dale. And I've never caught him lying. He's got an IQ of a genius, and he's as sharp as a razor. He's an engineer. He's very truthful. And he said, I thought you would think that something was wrong, so I, I brought the video. And he did. A vid, somebody in Japan had filmed toward the moon during the December 8th, December 11th events, and they apparently caught a craft of immense size, just like the one he described. Anyway, long story short is two entities showed up that were not uh, part of the abduction process. And what's amazing, when Dale was standing there in front of this guy sitting in the big chair, there was a a Bigfoot creature standing there. There was a Nordic standing there. There was a um, uh, a gray and uh, the do taller doctor type. And there there was a couple other entities. My, I call them the usual suspects. They were all lined up and they were all scared of the guy sitting in the big chair. Dale's looking at it like, what's going on? I mean, this is not any normal abduction. I mean, what are, this place is so big. And who is this guy? And he can't figure anything out. And finally, the big guy looks at him and says, why did he do this? And I mean, tell you, uh, Dale said, uh, he said, your picture, your, he said, when they speak, you see images. He said, your picture came up, your face came up. And I realized this meeting is going to be about you. And I said, uh, I, I don't know what he, I don't know. I don't know what he did. He said, the guy was so mad. He said that he was just, uh, he said, when he asks you a question, you, get, you will give the answer. He said, so finally the Nordic walked over. He was nervous. He said that he nails about 6'2", nearly 6'3". The Nordic was at least 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and the Nordic put his forehead on Dale's forehead, and with those big, beautiful blue eyes, looked into Dale's eyes and looked back, and he put his hands on both sides of Dale's face, and he looked back at the, the guy sitting in the big chair, and he says, he doesn't know. And then the guy cooled off. So this was kind of a fascinating little meeting. And uh, he asked a couple of other questions. One of them was about the intelligence uh, business, of all things. I was very shocked to hear this one. And then he asked a, uh, a, uh, a spiritual question. And then the lady in the other room, the one I programmed, she's in the other room with another guy just like him, getting the same type of treatment. Asking, they're asking her the same three primary questions. Um, then they were taken, when they were finally released everyone, they took, the, uh, they took them 
through this gigantic, massive hallway. And uh, they told them to walk straight ahead, do not look, you know, straight ahead, keep them focused. And I laughed and I said, I looked at Dale and I said, you peaked, didn't you? He said, I did. I said, what did you see? He said, Daryl, I saw things that I, 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 I didn't know that kind of stuff went on a ship. I didn't know. And he said, I've been taken since I was a kid, and I didn't. I had no idea. I said, what did you see? He said, I, I saw. He said, it, you know, it, it looked like it was mounted, you know, like uh, stuffed or something. You know, I said, what did you see? He said, I saw a platypodon. I said, you saw a dinosaur. He said, I did. And he said, there were other things there, too. And I said, okay, um, did you notice anything about that? And he said, I did. He said, Daryl, I don't think it was stuffed at all. I think it was art- it was an artificial, uh, 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 <clears throat> it was asleep artificially. He said, that thing, that thing is not dead. What does that suggest to you? Uh, well, it's, it, it, usually most people jump in and say, oh, that's because they're collecting species. There's kind of like a Noah's Ark uh, out in space, and they're just trying to help the Earth and do this and fix the ozone hole and do all the stuff they hadn't done that they claimed they were going to do for at least 6,000 years, they hadn't done anything. And, um, and uh, I suspect that what you have, in effect, is uh, I think it's, which this is going to, you better fasten your seatbelt for this one. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't respond because I knew something was missing, and I was waiting for you to tell me. <laughs> this, this is going to be big. Okay. Um, anyway, Dale looked at me and he says, "You, uh, you never told me about." It. I said, "No, I wouldn't tell you." And he said, "Why not?" And I said, "Because you're an abductee, Dale. If I told you an intelligence operation and the aliens abduct you next time." They're going to get that out of you so fast, quicker, faster than the New York Minute. Why would I tell you something about a, an operation that's going on that I'm working on them? I, said, I didn't know whether it would work or not. I didn't know. It obviously did. But I didn't know that. So I can't tell you. I mean, I wanted to, but I mean, it just I can't do that. You're an abductee. You're, you get still get taken. I'm not. They would find this out instantly from you. So... Um, Anyway, so let me go back to the usual suspects, the lineup of the entities that were present in that room. One of the ones I didn't include there but was on the craft was a reptile-type guy. Anyway, there are seven primary entities that people talk about in ufology. Uh, some call them the, the Nordics. They're so beautiful. They're blonde-haired. Listen, there are red-haired ones. The Native Americans used to call them the Sassistas. There's uh, brown hair, brunettes. There's all kinds. Uh, they're, they're not just blonde hair. There are all kinds of them. Uh, blondes get uh, more attention, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but there's all kinds of them. Anyway, um, so there's a human version. There's a reptile version. There's the two versions that uh, called the gray and uh, the doctor type, which looks just like the gray, except he's bigger and he's a lot smarter. The little gray has got an IQ of about uh, about 80, 85 if he's lucky. About 80 is probably correct. They make huge mistakes. They sometimes can't even get your clothes on right. Um, <laughs> you'll come back wearing someone else's clothes <laughs> or yours will be inside out or backwards or something. Yeah. And then the uh, 
those are called the ant people by the Hopi and the uh, Zuni. And uh, probably because they live inside the earth, as, as some people suggest, long ago. Or the possibility could exist that uh, I've got some rather amazing uh, Native American uh, photography about a thousand years old. You say, well, what in the world? They didn't have cameras back then. Well, they kind of did in their own way. They're called petroglyphs. When they yeah. saw things, they would paint them. And the amazing, or chisel them into stone. And some of the things, I've, the ones I've got, actually shows uh, people and animals being abducted, taken up into a craft. But one of the interesting things shows a little gray alien with antennas on his head like an ant. Hence the term, the ant people, from the Zuni and the Hopi. Now, the reason I said all that, set it up to answer this, to throw this at you and then then to tell you why I think what's going on in the big craft. <clears throat> in my opinion, uh, somebody asked me the other night in a, in a show, says, well, so what does the alien look like to you? And I said, uh, can I be very succinct? And they said, yes. And I said, okay. I'm not sure I've ever seen an alien. They said, but you were there. You? I said, yes. You saw the little gray? I said, yes. But... Then you, I said, no, you're not listening. You're, you're trying to interject your opinion upon what you think I need to be saying. That's what I'm telling you is I'm not sure that what we're looking at is an alien. I'm not saying there aren't any aliens. I'm saying if we actually do see some, some they're probably going to be pretty nice people and probably get along with them. They won't be abducting you and taking you out of the middle, the middle of the night and stealing off your, with your kids or whatever. Uh, I suspect they would be what I would expect an alien to be, something like someone else from another world or something. Uh, so, but these guys have got an, an agenda that's vastly different, and I've studied that agenda for a long time. And what I so here's the crux of the story. In my opinion, I said what I saw and what I've been seeing, what I think a lot of other people have seen, are entities that have been made, hatched, cloned, or constructed on board that massive craft from DNA taken from this planet. I said, for instance, if you wanted to go get some human DNA, would you go to Mars? Probably not. No. You probably would go to Earth because they've got a real big selection down there. You, don't, you can grab some DNA and be off and nobody even notice. happens all the time. So I suspect the Nordic came from Earth. That's where his DNA came from. I expect he was constructed somewhere else, but his DNA is from here. So next question. Where, is the, where are you going to get reptile DNA, like that reptilian creature, the ones that are real nasty and uh, sexually awful and so on? Where are you going to find uh, reptilian DNA? Jupiter? Probably not. Earth's got a real big selection of uh, all kinds of reptiles. So... Well, let's look at the third one. Um, then there's this large praying mantis guy. Where are you going to get praying mantis DNA? From um, Pluto? Probably not. Interestingly enough, we've got plenty of uh, mantises right here on this planet. So what about Bigfoot? Well, what about Bigfoot? I said the latest DNA work that I've read about him, and I tried to contribute a fingernail and a urine sample from a... From a uh, uh, from a uh, the smaller version of them, 
but they said they had enough DNA. He says, okay. I said, I don't study the, the Bigfoot thing. I said, but he does show up in our material, and on the mass abduction, he was there. So I suspect they're all linked together, regardless of what anybody thinks. And where are you going to get simian DNA? Probably planet Earth. So it looks like the ringer for DNA for the so-called aliens from another planet comes from planet Earth. So if they're all aliens, they're all aliens from planet Earth. And somebody attached clone manufacturer made them for the purpose of interaction with mankind. Period. Wow. And that's why they're never going to tell you the truth. Well, that, they're not going to the... tell who they are, and this makes a lot of sense. I mean, it makes sense to me, because to me they look like hummingbirds, ants, uh, army ants. One time I saw something that looked like a gumby cone with the, in a fog. Yes, that was yes. Probably, yes, That was probably the most stupid one I've ever seen. But, yeah. But, well, uh, again, these are, these are nonsensical to make you, so you will not remember. Remember the woman who loved the Nordic? until she went back to the very first time she ever met him and screamed yeah. and she cried and cried and cried. I mean, tell you, there were psychologists and psychiatrists lined up and hypnotists lined up said, when are you going to come out here and teach us how to do this stuff? This is, you're, this is something very new. We don't know about this. And I said, well, I said, uh, you know, I said, uh, I said, you guys pick on these little hypnotists all the time. And I said, and it, it really, I said, the... <laughs> You guys are the ones that are getting sued in the multi-million dollar lawsuits losing on this false memory business because you're hypnotizing these people and saying, oh, well, you're a product of ritual sexual abuse and come find out mom and daddy and so-called sexually abused them were in France at the time and uh, that was a little difficult and you end up getting sued because somebody like me will come along and testify against you in court and show you the fallacy of your methods. Yes. Well, it's, uh, it's, I'm just uh, stunned by a lot of the information. Uh, however, it makes sense to me also. As an abductee, it makes a lot of sense. What do yes, you think about uh, these ones that don't look so insectoid, but more look like dogs and cats? Has anybody told you anything like that? Uh, of course. Uh, I've got a number of abductees, especially out of Israel, and the cat is usually the imagery will, will be used there. And one abductee, little girl uh, out of Israel, I uh, worked with. The, the, I was flown over. A German magazine hired me to investigate three primary cases in Israel, and uh, to report back on them. And uh, so I went over and, and did that. And one of the cases was absolute fraud, and the uh, had physical evidence and all kinds of stuff. It was absolute fraud. Uh, the other two uh, were valid cases, uh, and the little girl, she said she kept talking about Shimshon. And I said, sweetie, I said, uh, you're Jewish? And she says, yes. And I said, uh, Shimshon, that's Jewish for Samson, isn't it? Yes. And I said, well, Samson is a, was a great hero in the, in the, in the Bible and in the, the Torah. And she said, yeah, yes. And I said, why do you think they use the name Shimshon or Samson for your alien? Because he's, it, that kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. You said he was only about as tall as you were. And she was a little girl. And she said, I don't know. Uh, but it's the familiarity is what they're trying to t make her comfortable with him. If his name is mm -hmm. Samson or Shimshon, then, and that goes along with her, her religious viewpoints, then it's, it, it makes her more malleable and easier to comply with his directions. Right. 
That seems to be the They're case. They're very effective at that. Yeah, they, they seem to use whatever ruse to to manipulate. If they don't realize that you have some sort of religious proclivities or some sort of belief system, they'll use that. Oh, yes. Them. And you are so right about that. The last thing about the mass abduction event that I, that I will tell you, there's a, a lot. We could, good Lord, be three, you spend three, three hours on that alone. Um, the, one of the things that was fascinating, the Nordic took Dale to a room, and um, there on the wall there was a map-like thing. Uh, we don't know what it was. And Dale tried to describe it. He said it's hard to describe something like that in a case like that, in a situation like that, in an altered state that you're at. We're looking at something that's three. It's like a three-dimensional map is what it looked like. And he said it looked. He laughed. And he said it looked like Indianapolis Roadway. And I said uh, Raceway. And I said okay. Uh, do you have any sense of what it was? And he said, I asked him, and he, he said, to my shock and amazement, he actually told me, and I believe him. And he said, uh, he said, that's our time with man, mankind. And he said there was one little section down there, about an inch long, that um, that was not filled in. It wasn't colored, solid color like all the other. And I said. Uh, did he say, he said, yeah, I asked him, what is that? And he said, that's the last, this is our last time. This is it. This last, it's a hundred year span. And he said, when that's done, he said, uh, it's over. And Dale queried him about that and he wouldn't tell him. But so Dale, being an engineer, takes that little inch thing and measures it and computes it while the guy's doing all this stuff, computes it based on that large picture of thing, whatever it was on the wall, and he says, I came up with a figure, and I said, How, what do you, what's the time that you think that they were involved with us based on that model? And he said, approximately 6,000 years. He said, and we're in the last 100. He said, now, we don't know whether it's the last 99 or last 10 or the last 3 or last 50. We don't know. We just don't know that. But I said, uh, do you have any sense of what that means? He said, he never would, never would tell me what that meant. And he said, you, do you have any idea? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, what's that? I said, checkmate. Hmm. I said, the game's over. Why do you think, um, I mean, if, if you know, because everybody seems to be confused um, along with me, what do they want? Why are they abducting people? <laughs> well, we're, if you're talking to the alien, you're asking the wrong person. That's like going to the front door of the CIA and saying, I want you to tell me all about flying saucers. Right. First of all, they'll, they'll think you're nuts because, in their opinion, you are. And the reason is because they don't know the answer to that. Everybody thinks, well, the CIA, the CIA and the NSA, they all know everything. I said, look, the NSA is eight times the size of the Central Intelligence Agency. Eight times. If you weren't going to worry about somebody, you better be worried about them. Number two, if... Um, the, the fact is, when we say the government, the government doesn't know anything. The government knows very little. It's, it's, it, look how incompetent it is, even right now. Uh, the government doesn't know much of anything in that regard. It, it's not like a giant brain out there. Uh, now, there are people in the intelligence community, in Office of Naval Investigations, and NSA, CIA, and other operations, including out of country, with Britain and with uh, other, certain other countries, that are winning, they, that's a specific term, and it means they are advised. Now, if you ask these people that question, they could actually answer your question. You're never going to meet those people 
and they're never going to answer that question because you're never going to meet them, and they're never going to admit that they knew it anyway. But the fact is there are operations and uh, things going on that are uh, involved in the alien phenomena, and uh, I, I could do a whole night just on that, just on the intelligence operations and how those work and so on. And uh, I put some of it in my book, uh, uh, Alien Hunter Evidence of Light. And the reason I did that was so that people would, because uh, I, I wanted people to know, really know I really was in the intelligence community. And, and people say, well, why didn't you tell everybody that? And I said, because I don't want you to find that out 30 years after we've been friends. Yes. I said, I would rather you know that from day one. And I've been severely punished uh, for being truthful about that from day one. And uh, Dr. Carla Turner used to, she said, man, she said, I, I, there are some places I won't invite you to the conference. She said, these are friends of mine. They said, once CIA, always CIA. I said, once full of chicken, always full of chicken, huh? She said, yeah, really. She said, I don't, she said, I don't get the mentality. I don't get it. She said, why would you come forward and tell everybody that if there's something wrong with you? And I said, uh, that was my viewpoint. Wasn't she said, great that would be dishonest to me not to tell everybody that. She was a good researcher, wasn't she? She was. Uh, she gave me a, a wonderful piece of evidence before she died. Uh, she was a, a remarkable abductee, and came. I met her numerous times, and she came to Houston twice to to uh, work with me. And uh, yeah, I could tell some stories, but I'll just 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 stay with the evidence. Um, she gave me a piece of evidence in a, a little tiny glass jar. And I said, what am I looking at here, young lady? And she said, I'm going to give you this because I, I don't, she said, first of all, I don't trust a lot of people in the UFO field. And second is, uh, I think you'll know what to do with it. And I said, I will. And I said, have you had it looked at? And she said, yes. I said, by whom? She said, a friend. And he's a forensic uh, expert. And I said, okay. And what was his response and what would be his view? And she said, he was not happy. She, he told me that compound cannot exist in that matrix. Don't you ever bring anything like that to me again. Don't you ever use my name in association with this or any story about it, ever. Do you understand me? She said, I was just shocked that he would be so terse with me. And uh, I said, she said, do you have any sense of what that might be? And I said, well, I'm going to have it looked at for sure. I said, but I suspect... Um, that some of these entities, I keep t saying to everybody that these are, some of them are cloned, hats, manufactured. Now let's talk about the manufactured guy. The manufactured ones are, uh, some of them are uh, biological entities, and some of them appear to be mechanical. And we actually have a, a, a drawing the lady did for me of the eye cover. I, 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 uh, I, like I said, I hunt these guys. I don't sit around and tell stories. I, I put shoe leather to my life. And uh, one of the things I did was to uh, work a special program with her to defend herself, and she assaulted her captor and tore his eye cover off and saw beneath it, and she saw a red stipple screen with little white lines running back and forth across of it in, in the five locations. The, the point of that is that he obviously was more than just a sentient being, and I suspect that uh, that material I told Candy, I said, uh, Dr. Carla Turner, 
I said, Candy, I said, I suspect that if that evidence is what he's saying, that compound cannot exist in that matrix, he could be pointing out the possibility that there is biological material and metallic material together, and they're working together. So, and, uh, so we'll, we'll find out. Metallic and, uh, That's pretty advanced. Wow. Well, uh, I met with uh, Doctor uh, in our, our show, our TV show, uh, Uncovering Aliens. Uh, we were interviewing uh, Doctor Bob Wood out at uh, Sedona as the last part of our show. And after the interview, uh, he said, "Daryl, I'd like to speak with you alone, if you don't mind." I said, "Sure." And he asked me a question that was—he uh, was a little troubled. It was an intelligence question uh, about a, a very disturbing thing that was going on back in. 50s, 60s, and I answered this question as best I could, and um, and this, the second thing is uh, he, we were talking a little bit about evidence, and I said, he said, well, how how far, do you, how advanced do you think they are? And I said, uh, you <laughs> you may not like my answer. He said, please tell me. And I said, I, I he said, uh, just be honest. I said, I don't, I, I never would be any other way. I said, I don't think they're over 5 to 15 years ahead of us. Excuse me, 15 to 50 years ahead of us. He looked at me stunned and said, what did you say? I said, they're no more than 15 to 50 years ahead of us. He said, where do you come by those figures? And I said, uh, well, ultimately I came by them uh, uh, when I was about 4. I started finding some of this out. And by the time I was 12, during the during the nasal implant, that I got, I said, I overheard a lot of things they were saying. They tell you you can't hear us and all that, but if you don't accept that suggestion and you just do it anyway, you can still hear them. And uh, I overheard what they were saying, and I said, I put that together, and I said, I said uh, I heard some of the things they were discussing, which I read much later, many years later, in Dr. Roger Sperry's uh, work of uh, left and right brain lateralization. I said, now, how would a child... 12 years old, living in Alamogordo, New Mexico, which is in the middle of nowhere, know anything about the rare and advanced work of Dr. Roger Perry in the uh, in the late 50s? And he said, well, you wouldn't. And I said, precisely my point, sir. I said, but I did, and I knew exactly what they were talking about and what they intended to do. And uh, anyway, uh, I said, at that point, I realized, and I said, and then after I started looking at the implant stuff from 1960, from my own event in 1960, on up to the late 80s, so where I started actually uh, talking about removing some of these, and then uh, and then, then we did, uh, and then I've done, of course, like 24 surgeries since then, uh, and my point being that uh, these... Um, these things that they've done to us and the things that they say to us, uh, we have to filter all this out and find out what is, what's true or not. And it's, it's difficult to, to, to make sense of all this if, you, if, if you're so used to their lies or their fabrications or prevarications or whoppers or whatever they tell you. Uh, you have to be able to sort that. And if you can do that, you'll learn a lot about them and what they're really about. In fact, you'll learn about their IQ and the fact that they're not very intelligent to do the, the gray has got an IQ of about 80. The uh, doctor type's got an IQ of about 140, 145, really smart. The mantis has got an IQ of about 160 to 180. The Nordic will have an IQ of about about the same. Uh, 
but my point is that they're not made or constructed equally. And uh, as I love to tell my evolution friends, if you believe in evolution, the alien is proof that it doesn't exist. That's what he mean. I said, you really think the little guy, the little short gray guy grows up to be the doctor? Trust mm -hmm. me, he doesn't. Yeah. He is a finished product. You're looking at the finished product of each and they're every created, one of these. They're created Thank you. for a purpose. Thank you. That's Absolutely. And I have Absolutely. observed this, but I've also dreamt about this, that there's created beings, and before that I didn't have this information, so this is the, the first time that I've actually heard it really said. Uh, but I have dreamt of them, and I've observed them. Like, oh, and I was in the dream. I was even saying these are created beings for a different purpose. This one looks like this. This one looks like that. Because they don't necessarily need hair or or to look good or or whatever. Because there's you know, there's a you know a different mentality. It's anyway. I want to. Okay, your book is called Alien Hunter. And uh, there's some things it's going to find out with this book. So if you, if you get your book on your website. And your website is, tell them about your website. My website is alienhunter.org. Yes. It's alienhunter.org. And if you want to talk to me uh, and get a lot of free stuff, all you got to do is click on Alien Hunter and just click on that and it will email me automatically and ask your questions and I'll be glad to answer your questions. And Sorry, I don't charge a lot of money for our stuff. It's philanthropic and, and uh, that's just what I do. Uh, the book I got to sell because uh, I actually have to pay for that, and uh, actually like to eat occasionally. Uh, but other than that, everything's free. Sorry, it's a philanthropic effort. I I just think it's awesome. And then what's inside the book includes alien implants are not tracking the devices. I always felt that they were something that, that wasn't okay. And then alien the does the alien have implants? It's just. <laughs> when I was writing the book on uh, on, on implants, uh, my co-author, who is a nurse, said, you've got to have a zinger for this book. And I said, okay. I said, what do you want? And she says, give me a couple of great zingers. And I said, okay. Um, does the alien have implants? Okay. So and she looked at me for the longest now. time and said, well, do they? And I said, sweetie, they are implants. Whoa. They are constructed, manufactured, made, and classed, and cloned. They are it. So that suggests somebody's controlling them. Where are Thank those, you, sir. Where are those that are controlling them? I mean, you're wiser than your years. I think some say, you know, speculate they might be underground, but um, I don't know. I mean, the, the whole Benowitz case. I'm sure you're aware of that. I mean, because that's there were. That's all that false information that they were giving Paul Benowitz about, you know, they're being sure. But they got these crafts, I mean, since the 80s and even before, I mean, these crafts that are like, um, you know, a mile long or whatever. Well, that suggests there has to be an industry. <laughs> there has to be. True. There, and, and I refer to the guy who does the, the work, on, who does the, the transgenic work. And it, for those in your audience who don't know what that we're talking about, go to Google and type in the word transgenic, T-R-A-N-S-G-E-N-I-C, and up at the top hit images, and prepare yourself for uh, some shocks. Uh, you'll find that you'll find one of the first images you'll see is a mouse with a human ear on it. Yeah, I saw Well, that. you say, that's pretty wild stuff. Well, it's a lot worse than you imagine. Right, you see, human, human beings are now figuring out what the alien already knows and has been doing for a long, long time.
That's why technically the hybrids aren't even hybrids that in the technical term they're really transgenics because you can't have two separate species that unrelated just mate and reproduce it doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's uh, there. There are different programs going on, and uh, uh, my my interest is not, in a, in a meanness and kindest way, not the speculative uh, area. Right. <laughs> my business is to is as a is a former police officer and, uh, and a private investigator with, and I've I over 500 arrests that I've made on people, and I was a military police officer with a high conviction rate. All that simply means is I am very sure about my case. I took a guy to, uh, to uh, went to the Secret Service building the other day and pleaded the case there, and then they said, uh, you want him? He said, we'll arrest him right now for you, but do you want him long term? I said, I do. I said, he's hurting a lot of people. And they said, here's the next person we'd like you to go visit, and I did, and uh, the DA took the case. So he's going to go away. He's in my 7-Up club. 7-Up means seven years or more. These are bad people that need to go away out of our society. And my point is that uh, as sure as I am about the people I go after, I am about my UFO evidence as well. I don't uh, tell people a bunch of stuff I can't prove or don't know or don't have any idea about. Um, we, like well, you had mentioned about... Uh, Charlene had mentioned, uh, you know, well, you got some pictures of aliens. And I said, I, I do, and uh, and I said, I've got, I've got, I've got some DNA sample as well, not just the fluorescence, but actual sample itself. And it was tested at the university, it was tested by a doctor, and uh, the results, preliminary, and it's only preliminary, results are staggering. In what sense? Well, it's staggering uh, from the, from their point of view, it was rather staggering. Uh, the, the late Dr. Um, uh, Levensgood called me on the phone and said, Mr. Sims, uh, he said, I've sent, I've get, got you uh, from the university, I've got you some slides I would like for you to look at of your evidence. And I said, okay. He said, uh, tell me what you see in those those pictures. The, 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 and I said, uh, well, the first one looks like a little, little strange, little black, little pieces of material and he said have you ever seen anything like that before and I said I have he said where have you seen it and I said and I should send him a picture back and he's like oh my god it looks like the same thing he said where'd you get this and I said from Dr. Carla Turner he said where did it come from I said the lady was sexually assaulted on a craft by something that looked like a pig the aliens caused the event to happen and there was a witness a man later came forward and testified to the case being true and Carla Turner gave me the evidence. Apparently, it's a vaginal scraping, and I have that evidence. And I said, so I'm real curious to find out what that's about. He said, well, what is it that you think you have here in this DNA sample? And I said, well, I'm not qualified to answer that question, sir. He said, I said, I, you're asking me about biology, and I'm not, I'm not qualified to really give, render an opinion. Not in a scientific sense. He said, just tell me what you think you see. And I said, uh, that is incredible. I said, first of all, that appears to be an animal cell. He said, it is. And he said, what do you see in the next slide? And I said, that appears to be, uh, that's pretty weird. And I said, that appears to be a plant. He said, it is. And he said, look at the third one. And he said, what do you see? I said, well, the plant's bigger. He said, you notice anything interesting about it? And I said, I do. And he said, what's that? And I said, the plant's growing out of the, out of the animal cell. He said, you have the smoking gun. I said, what would that be, sir, in your opinion? He said, no one has ever put cattle mutilations and the alien in the same place at the same time. 
you're a police officer, you know what I'm talking about. I said, I do. And you, hearsay means nothing in a court of law. I think I saw this, or my brother told me, that doesn't work. Forget all that stuff. It's never going to work. And he says, um, you, your abductee, following apparently your instructions, I said, that is correct, at least my model, he said, actually assaulted his captor, and there was a piece of DNA left on the floor. And I said, that's correct. And I said, that's what you have and what I have. He said, Mr. Sims, he said, what you have here is the alien and the cattle mutilations for the first time in over 40 years. You have it all. This is the smoking gun from a scientific point of view. And I said, well, I'm not prepared to say that because I, I have to be like like super glue sure. <laughs> I, I'm not qualified to say that. You you may be, sir, and I, I don't denigrate that in any way. I said, but I don't know that yet. I want I want a peer review. Peer review are people who within academia who look at the same evidence without a pre uh, they're not prepositioned to believe anything and probably don't even I, I don't want them to know what they're looking at, really. And then yeah, they come I, up with the same same opinion. And when they do then we're then I'll be then I'll be a lot more interested in that. Okay, we have a question from the chat. Uh, we only have ten minutes to go. I cannot believe this two hours has flown by. I mean, we could do a series of these whole shows if you want to come back and talk about whatever whatever your content is. But uh, the question is: Could the ancient Egyptians have been mim- mimicking transgenics with their depictions of half man and half animal beings? What a brilliant question, and I was so glad that, you, some, that someone asked that question. I did a uh, presentation for a, for a church, of all things. Uh, they asked me to come up and do a full UFO presentation, and so on, and I did. And I showed uh, the Egyptian stuff on the walls and all kinds of stuff like that. I showed satyrs and all kinds of interesting things in history. And uh, I said, some, some of these are mythological creatures dreamed up in the minds of someone or, or an alien. And uh, I said, some of them were not. They said, what do you mean? I said, the horse there, the horse-headed, uh, the, the dog-headed, and, and the other different uh, creatures that are human form but have animal parts and bodies and hawk heads and so on. Um, I said, the, the pharaoh was the only one allowed to go in there during that one time of year when these guys showed up. I said, my point is, he was witnessing the transgenics of the time from the alien. They are one and the same. Now, the Egyptians made gods out of them and all kinds of neat, funny things, but that's not who they were, and that's not who they are in any other culture where you'll find them. You'll find them in in Ireland. We call them the wee folk. You go over to Istanbul, Turkey, and and I went all over Turkey, and and I was talking on an airplane for eight hours, and uh, this guy says, oh, it's fascinating what you do. This is amazing, but we don't have any of that over here. And I said, uh, yeah, you actually do. And he said, no, we don't. I said, yes, you do. He said, no, we don't. And I said, yes, you do. And he said, well, explain that to me. I said, tell me about the gym. And he got oh, real no, quiet. We don't, talk, we don't talk about them. We don't talk about them. And uh, when I went to the, spoke at the conference, I told uh, the audience, I said, 45% of you will be Native American, Indian, Irish, Celtic, that are abductees and contactees. And uh, these people came up to me afterward, and they said, Mr. Sims, we love your work. We love everything you do except one thing. I said, what's that? 
He said, well, you're wrong about the Native American thing. We're Turks. We're not Native Americans, Irish or Celtic. And I said, yes, you are. And they said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, you are. I said, do you think the rules get bent just for you? We're Turks. I said, you're not listening to me. You're arguing. I might actually know something you don't know. If I do, pay attention. If I don't, call me a nut and get on, get beat it, you know, alone. Anyway, two years later, a professor from a major university at Ankira, that's the capital of Turkey, did some DNA testing on Turks and did some DNA testing here in the United States on certain Native American tribes, particularly in the Northwest. Checked the DNA told the government, and they had the biggest powwow you ever saw in your entire life. They brought certain Native American tribes over and people from those tribes and had the biggest powwow because, guess what? Turks were Indians! Just like I told them they were. Yes. I said, they listen found. to me. I said, all you got to do is go back to Google and type in the name Sequoia. Easy to spell. And Sequoia, and it hit image, and it, what it'll pull up is a Native American guy standing there with a little pipe, and he's uh, I'm Cherokee Irish, and he's Cherokee. He was the guy who founded our, our how, to sp how to write our words, or draw our sounds, so to speak, and the, the first alphabet, in other words. And he's standing there with a the little alphabet, a little painting of him holding his alphabet, uh, there, he's real proud of it, with his little long pipe smoking and everything. And on his head, you'll notice a, um, a, an Arab turban. I wonder where he borrowed that. Wow. So you're saying 50% or, or half the abductees seem to be... Up to, up to, up to 45% of people will be Native American and Irish or Celtic. Uh, now, the vast majority of them, 55% or not, they'll be everything else in the world. Right. But my point is that, uh, and many of those that are Native American and in Irish Celtic are going to, most of them are going to be, in my opinion, going to be uh, abductees, not contactees. For some, some who might not know, could you um, explain the difference on how you define sure. An abductee is a person who thinks, like me, that they're taking me or my son from me uh, was not a good idea. It's called kidnapping in police work, and uh, you go to prison if I catch you. Um, and uh, uh, contactees, on the other hand, are people who feel like the alien taking their them or their kids probably had a higher reason or a better reason, and it doesn't matter if they lied or didn't tell the truth. They probably are here for our best help, and uh, they're, they're here to make things better, and we just don't get it. And then uh, that's okay. That's okay. I, I'm not knocking anybody here. But in my opinion, I call the contactees the honeybees. A honeybee is a bee that makes honey. They're basically docile. They're, you can have honeybees land on your hand, do all kinds of fun things. And uh, they're really neat. And uh, they don't realize that the funny little man in the white suit out there stealing their honey is not supposed to be stealing their honey. They, for some bizarre reason, believed everything he said and I'm supposed to steal your honey, and then he does. Uh, on the other hand, the abductee is more like the killer bee. You can steal all the honey you want. You're probably going to pay a pretty hefty price for trying it, if I can catch you. Mm -hmm. Right, so, so by your definition, a contactee is someone who 
um, is working for the aliens, but they're not. They just aliens. don't know any. They either don't know any better, uh, uh, or or they they have this belief. And most of these beliefs, in my opinion, come from childhood, where the alien is. Uh, the reason they want you as a child is because you're easier to program. I was not a very good. One lady says, "Why did they quit abducting you at age 17?" I said. Uh, I asked my senior investigator in a, one of his abductions, I said, ask him that question. Why, are, why don't they abduct me anymore? And he asked him, and he said, they, he said, the alien looked at me really puzzled and says, it is interesting that they knew my name, and, uh, and, I'd, and I've not been abducted for 40 years, but they, they knew. That, we're all on this. You're all on the, all of other abductees and contactees are on this database, and they all know it. They're all in on it. There's, they're not seven races of aliens out there. They're seven models, like cars in a car in a car company. Go out and pick seven different kinds of Chevy Chevy out. You can get the Corvette, or you, Stingray, or you can get the Chevette. You know which one do you want? They're different models. They're not different races. They're models that have been made, formed, manufactured, or hatched or cloned for uh, interaction with mankind. And in my opinion, many of these abductee contactees have been hoodwinked, not all of them, but many, and they, uh, since childhood, it's not their fault. They've been led down the primrose path to believe a certain story that we're here to save the planet, fix the ozone hole, and I could, I could have a whole, whole night just on contactees and abductees and the whoppers that the contactees have been told that never, ever, ever came past, ever. In fact, yeah. one lady finally died. She says, but he told me I would know the big truth. And here I'm dragging this. this. And she was at a conference and met me in 1994 when I was doing that presentation for uh, International Forum for New Science on implants. And she said, um, but he told me that he would, he's my best friend. He's the blue man. And he always, I love him. And, and I'm done. I'm going to die. You know, she's dragging this little oxygen bottle around with her. And she said, oh, this is it. And he never told me anything. So I did work with her hypnotically at her request, and I said, I don't think, I don't really want to do this. And she says, why not? And I said, because, um, well, I know some things you don't, and, and I, I'm not really, I don't, I'm not here to, to rain on your parade. I don't, I don't care. If you want to believe that, that's fine. If you don't, I don't care. I'm not here to change anybody's viewpoint. That's not my purpose. My business is evidence. And she said, please, please, please. And I said, okay. And so I took my assistant, Mary Floria. She was my assistant in the presentation. Uh, she's a scientist from, uh, assistant professor at the University of Washington at the time, an MS, working in age research with primates, of all things. Um, but anyway, she, um, the, the, as we got into her story, the, amazingly enough, the alien showed up in her consciousness. While we, in other words, while we were going into memory, he actually showed up in her consciousness, and he was very upset that she had betrayed him by letting me work with her. And I said, could I ask him some questions? If, uh, and she said, yes. And she said, sure. You know, she thought this would be great. You know, the alien hunter gets to meet the alien like I didn't know who he was or what he was up to. And <laughs> so I asked him a couple of questions, and uh, one of them, why he had lied to her for uh, 60 years, told her all these stories when she was a little girl, and now she's ready to die. And why don't you just tell her the truth why you're here, who you are, and everything. He, she said he left. He was so mad. He left. She said, I've never seen him that way before. Why is he Why is he acting that way? Why is he doing that? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to let you figure that out all by yourself. And if you can't, then that's okay, too. I don't mind. 
but he was he got you know, caught with his hand in the cookie jar. That's right, and you know, for uh, I'm, we're we're going to continue taping because I have a couple questions I want to ask. Are you doing good on your time? Yes, yeah, sure. You're all right. Okay. Yes. You're not tired or anything. I know it's later over no. there. Um, I'm fine. Okay, so. Uh, so we're we're uh, we're recording. So uh, this is all being recorded, and we're still recording. Anyway, um, what I liked what you were saying is because um, there's people that say things that are really astonishing. First of all, uh, they are friends with uh, these people, and that um, they're helpful or they do whatever. I just entirely don't believe any of that. I've never had that experience. I have had horrible experiences. I fight every time. I think I've killed a couple, and uh, I'm just turned into that warrior mode. So when you said that, that made so much sense to me because uh, let's say one time there are these two really tall ants. One was yellow ceramic-looking. Uh, you know king ants with the square heads? They look like that, but they were standing upright. Okay. One was mm-hmm. yellow. One one was ceramic-looking. They were both shiny. And one was like a deep orange, and one was yellow. And they're both like really shiny. And then I guess they knocked on the door. They're trying to be polite. I did open the door. And I let them in. They were still being polite. I was being polite. Then out of the corner of my eye, I caught there was some little thing in the corner that they were trying to distract me from seeing. And I just, I killed it. It was very small, and they were stunned that I did that. But it's to me, it's like fight or flight. You're, they're they're taking and doing things against my will. I've never liked it. I didn't. Ha- I only had one uh, occurrence. This is only oh gosh, I don't know how many months ago, two or three months ago now. But the, these, uh, I'm gonna tell you something real strange, Daryl. So I don't know if you. That's why I asked you about cats because these blue cats showed up in my house. They were very loving and friendly, and uh, yep. that's the first time I ever had a friendly feeling. And mm-hmm. uh, but also, I call my best friend. Now, my my best friend is a rocket scientist, so it's strange. <laughs> she is uh, NASA trained that works for Northrop, and it's weird that we end up like I ended up in forensics, and she ended up as you know working on the rockets. But anyway. Uh, you know, she said, I called her in the morning. I said, I have to tell you something. She says, don't tell me. I'll tell you. She says, you, you, I was over at your house, and you had these two blue cats. Then we realized that we were being abducted together and had to do with the There cat. you go. Her husband was there. And also, I just want to tell you that briefly, because when I first started talking about I got absolutely no response. I had never heard of it either. So what do you have to say about that? Well, I, I want to clear something up for your audience, if I may interject this. Yeah. Uh, when you use the term, I killed one, uh, it, sometimes that leaves a, a, a bad taste in people's mouth. Uh, let me explain to you what that means. Uh, all she did was turn the toaster off. Tell if they're hatch-clone, manufactured, made, or whatever, they're transgenics. They're not sentient beings like you or I, and they don't, they're not like us in any, any sense of the word. They trust me. They will mutilate you at the drop of a hat if they are instructed to do so, or they will make you love them if they're instructed to do that. It doesn't make any difference to them. Whatever they're told to do, that's what they're going to do. End of story. So if you catch one of them and you, uh, I like to call it 
putting a wet piece of toast in the in the toaster when he gets there. Um, that's uh, you can call it killing if you want, but to me, it's just I'm just turning the toaster off. That's all. Okay. Well, that's that's it. That's it. So, does this does this sound like a dream, or is it really happening? And how could uh, three people, because her husband was standing out in the yard, and he was on his phone, so he's trying not to look at what was going on with us. But we have been friends for over 40 years, and we've been abducted together for 40 years, and we've seen UFOs together. Wow. Well, uh, the the stories are the your the, the imagery you're talking about is consistent, yeah. and if you'll take. You'll take the cat heads, you'll take the mantis head, you'll take ant heads and put them together in a, in a do a logical progression with them. You'll find that they are virtually the same. That all you're looking at is some of these may in fact be screen memories. One of them is probably the real guy. Uh, I've told abductees for years that I uh, said, even though I believe your story and I have some degree of evidence to, to back you up there, um, the problem is that if I took a photograph of you next to the alien and you're describing him like, let's give an example here, is this Israeli, uh, this is a guy from Israel uh, came over here to get his implant removed whenever uh, I was working with a cardiovascular surgeon at the time uh, out of Santa Monica. And then um, I had a bunch of MUFON people there uh, for the surgery. And we had a brain surgeon present and so on and so on. But uh, the... Um, the guy's event was he had these, he and his girlfriend noticed these cat-headed. Said there were just cats. He said I don't I, I don't know how to describe that. And they they were out in the street when we saw them early in the morning and uh, late at night or early morning and said and they followed us home. And I said okay. And he said but how, why I don't understand how can cats and they were big they were bigger than cats and how and of course he doesn't realize this is a screen memory. So yeah, I said, um, if I took a photograph of them next to you, you wouldn't see a cat. I said, you're seeing a cat because that's what they're programming you to see. But whenever you get the photograph developed, you're probably going to see a gray alien or something, not the Hollywood version. And the best example I can give you of this is in uh, a case I had out of uh, Dallas, Texas, and I do have the original photography and the negatives. Uh, I was at a support group meeting up there when I was speaking in Dallas, and a lady walked in, and I remembered her. She was a surgical nurse, and she says, Hi, Daryl, and kind of interrupted the meeting. I said, uh, How are you doing? And I thought, Well, okay. And she says, I brought something for you. She said, There was an abduction over the, the other night, and with these, this is a hilarious story. These are illegal aliens in <laughs> Dallas being abducted by other illegal aliens from somewhere else. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, so she's real brave. She goes down there with the camera. They call her. They're scared. They don't, they're not going to call the police. They think they're going to get deported. So they don't know what to do. They call her. She walks down the street at 2.30 in the morning with a camera. And she photographed, in my opinion, a mantis-headed being and a gray. And uh, in fact, the story is incredible, but the photography is much more interesting in my view, and uh, again, if you look at the alien and you look at the Hollywood version that you're going to see on TV and all that, it ain't so. He is a gray, you can tell that, but he's not like any of the, the fake stuff you see up there. You know, that people make a little fake alien head and say, oh, that's good. See, that'll fool everybody because that, that's what grace looks like. No, they don't. Sorry. They don't look like that. Hollywood tells you they look like that. They don't know. 
So, uh, so we did get that photography, and the, but the and the eye is a little bit different. The uh, the head is shaped differently. Uh, I have some uh, little hands that uh, little arms and hands that went through a, a window, in through it to get a, a, a cop who was an abductee in Friendswood, Texas, and it left the imagery the little uh, almost like an X-ray image in the glass of the little hands and, and arms as they went through it. And he said, how could that be? And I said, was there a bright light involved? He said, there was from the craft. And I said, often a bright light like that will photograph the imagery or someone inside the glass itself. And I did have the glass tested by a glass specialist, and they have no idea how that image got inside the glass because it was not, it's not possible for that to happen. But the fascinating thing about the little hands and the arms and the glass is they're deformed. So they're deformed. Yes. Some people will, will be horrified to find out that if you study the alien and all his machinations and creations by Dr. Moreau, so to speak, the alien Dr. Moreau yes. on the, the big cosmic craft 600 miles across, 50 miles thick, and his workshop there, you will, you will be more than mortified to find out that your view of the alien may be vastly different than the alien's view of the alien. Well, that has always been my fear. I've always, you know, I've had, you know, sometime I have to get out there to see you or, or, or whatever if you have the time because, uh, you know, I have all that from stolen children to very odd things going on. But now things are happening right in front of my face, you know, in real well, time. Well, let's make a date of it. I, I've got a, I, I was out there not long ago. I did a, a conference for UPARS out there and, uh, and then I also went and visited a bunch of uh, friends of mine out there, um, Alice Levy and uh, and oh, a whole bunch of people, oh, yeah. uh, good friends. And uh, uh, and and then I met with uh, 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 some movie and TV people out there that want to talk to me about doing some stuff. Since now, especially since I'm a free agent. And uh, so anyway, uh, the point being that. Uh, I'll probably be out there again in the very near future, and if I do, let's make a date of it and just hang out. Let's yes, just all that get together and hang, and have some fun. Yes, so we can talk. Sure. Because yeah, talking to Sal has been so important, and, and uh, I've been processing a lot of what you said tonight, and it's been profound for me because it uh, I have, has that ring of truth uh, to it. I'm uh, shocked, stunned, impressed. Uh, I've been educated. And uh, Adrian, how did you feel about this? That'd be sound great. I'd love to hang out with you guys if I could. Oh, it'd, it'd be a lot of fun. I would uh, be it'd be my my honor. I'd I'd love to to share some of my stuff off there. See what to pick your brain and hear your yeah, opinion. Yeah. There's not much in there to pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's pretty much empty. <laughs> not really. You're a fascinating guy, and I, I'm just so glad I. I can't even remember how I got uh, tracked you down or how I noticed you. I don't remember what it was because I seem to be on some forensic search, and I'm so happy that I discovered you in in my searching. That uh, I find you an incredible man and uh, impressive credentials, and uh, we have uh, a couple things in common: this forensics and all that kind of part of the world. We do. We do for a fact. Yeah, and uh, Adrian, too, and his father was into a lot of that other stuff, the, you know, the top secret stuff and sure, men in black and all sure. the whole thing. And I haven't even got to ask yeah, about the good. men in black situation. 
Oh, well, really? we'll do that next time. We'll do. When we come back on, we'll do that. We'll do one on MIBS. Oh yeah, please, please come on again because you know uh, you're a wealth of knowledge, and we really want to share it with the world because that's what it's all about. So you, you really made me recommit to keeping this, keeping alive, and keep telling the truth. That's what well, it's all about. So and I really honor both of you for uh, doing the program, and I'll be uh, glad to come back uh, sometime, and uh, we'll do another one and uh, have a lot of fun. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Pleasure to meet you, too. Take care, Daryl. Okay. God bless all of you. God bless your audience. Good night. Thank you. I love you. Bye-bye. Well, Adrian, uh, how do you feel about this whole situation? (laughs) Well, it's a great, I mean, the two hours just flew by, didn't it? I didn't even look up for the first hour. I was just stunned and, and, uh, listening intently and actually it's really hard to do a show when you're processing you know that because i'm processing all the information he's giving me and uh being kind of bowled over at the same time and then uh that little thing with the start with that uh the dr lear thing had me shocked i mean i all of a sudden i felt like a babe in the woods when he said yeah i mean um his I'd, I'd love to hear. Kind of... That'd be it'd be interesting to put like Doctor Lear and um, Sims have it on the same show, and then listen to them talk because then we'd find out more stuff. You know, like okay, what what really happened between them? Yeah, and stuff. what really happened? You know, and this is a phenomenal guy. I'm, I'm really glad that he is another excellent resource and help for us. I like you know, he's doing, he's doing in a, a different perspective, and a, he's he's being. Um, critical thinking as much as he can and I, I really appreciate that perspective you know, know he's, you he's, he's, he's applying it as okay as an investigator as an intelligence officer as a police officer you know okay, let's just go by by the evidence his 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 theory is interesting about the different um species of being really being one they're just different models just that means somebody else going all of them but they're all that means there's not really that suggests that there's no competing interests that they're all working for the same thing, if that's the case. Well what's behind it all? Right. I mean, um oh I wanted to ask that about Mibs. I, I was curious to hear because oh, no, given my we're gonna get him on again Adrian. Well, ask, him on again, are you familiar maybe. with the Bob White case? I think he was involved mm-hmm. in that to some degree. Tell me about it. But okay, yeah, it's, it's, can it was, I ask uh, you about Oh, go ahead. Okay, well, I wanted to tell you that I hinted a little bit about uh, what was happening with me, but I haven't told him yet. But uh, that, you know, remember the bathroom when I was going up there to to Vaughn's place and that the room wasn't like it appeared to be, but I recognized that there's some, even though I was seeing something with my eyes, my sense told me it was different to what I was seeing. Remember Right, I remember you, right, right. Oh, you wanted to ask him about that? Me. Yeah, I wanted to, but I, I really, really needed just to hear everything he had to say. I just wanted to hear more and more. But right. the thing is, is that what he was talking about, though, is being more of, a, of not just being a honeybee, but which I understand, I get it. But me and you have reacted the same to this whole alien thing. We get mad. You know what I mean? And we fight, and we resist, and we're not going along. And uh, sometimes I find it tedious when people say they're all in love with these aliens. Like the, what he was saying is that you're in love with a picture, 
it's a thing. It's like a statue. Right. The, the whole mystery behind it, the whole issue of disclosure and mystery and all that, is because because of them, <laughs> not not our government. You know what I mean? You got um, it. Or elements of our government. Um, whether I kind of you know I know Jacques Vallée is very. I'm, I'm thinking about one of my many projects. <laughs> is a, um, rebutting one of his essays that he wrote years ago about you know, the five hypotheses why he, he writes five arguments against the, alien, um, the extraterrestrial hypothesis, but um, I'm not saying they have to be extraterrestrial, but what I'm saying is there's no reason why not to consider that. You know, um, Jacques Vallée, well, he well, said, he you know, well, that, that wouldn't be, he'd be surprised that doesn't sound very interesting, but that's not an argument because it's not interesting, mm-hmm. so what? The thing is, that is interesting. I mean, imagine the technology that it would take to go from one planetary system outside our solar system to here at well any time. That technology would have to be like magic. That is incredible. That's absolutely incredible. That, you can't underestimate that. Second, um, I hinted at that during the program. What about yeah. the industry? Yeah. You know what I mean? They have, you have these immense craft that show up out of nowhere and then they leave. Well, where were those craft built? Okay, they they gotta eat, they gotta do, you know, they, they wow. all the you know what I mean? Where where are they? They're not from here. That they might visit here. Well, I think they have a, I, I personally think they have a permanent settlement here that we can't see. Maybe under the ocean, or whatever. That's why you have the USOs and stuff. But um, that their whole civilization is here? I don't think so. I, that's why I think they're from somewhere else, be it from interdimensionals or extraterrestrial. Like so, like but because I noticed the reason I mentioned that. Because I notice there's okay. a movement that's like going shying away from the extraterrestrial hypothesis, and I'm like, there's no reason to to dis, this way to go away from that. And it's because there's all these other phenomena that we can't explain. Those are probably different phenomena. There might not be, I mean, ghosts and all that stuff. Um, those are different stuff, and um, their craft, you know, they're changing shapes, or whatever. Well, how do you explain that? We don't we don't know what a UFO is because he was saying that. Um, well, yeah, we do. We, we have we have craft that change shapes. We have cars that change shapes. Yeah. I mean, they have one in, in Germany where you know the car changes shape so it can pull, pull into a parking spot. We have planes that change, change shapes. We, I mean, um, RVs, you know, when they, they pull in, and all of a sudden you got stuff coming out of it, you know, extending or, or whatever, shrinking. We have, we have craft that change shapes, so why wouldn't an advanced society have craft that can change shape and, and various sorts of forms? You know, um, too. They don't. We well, have helicopters. We have we yes, have satellites. Yes. We I mean, we have all sorts of stuff that that's in the air, flying around, various shapes and whatever. And it's all ours. So well, um, so that's why I'm so open to the extraterrestrial. Uh, I, I know I don't didn't mean to get off on a tangent, because I I noticed that there's that there's a tendency recently to shy away from that, and I don't see any reason we should well, keep. That's what's called a Keep hypothesis. You don't know, but it's uh, it's not an unreasonable one because if they're here permanently, where's their industry? Where is yeah. it? Especially you have craft. Yeah. I mean, you have citing the Stevensville case, the the um. Well, uh, it was you know, the, a lot the 90s, the, the Phoenix the... one, and then the early 80s there was one um, that people don't talk about a lot. There was one massively boomerang shaped craft. You know, the same kind of things that you saw. In uh, in Phoenix and in Stephenville, so these things have been happening. Where are they? They got to sit down somewhere. These are physical craft. They're huge. Okay, where do they go? They're just not going to settle down in the middle of the desert. We we'd see it, 
you know. Um, so I think they are from somebody somewhere else because they need to eat, they need to build these things. There's a whole society. Um, I mean, these ships got to come and go from even the flying saucers. They they got to come from so the, those are just aspects of a bigger picture. So um, I, I do think they might have a, some sort of permanent settlement, but that's not where their industry resides, you know. And so, um, and, and then it could, we don't know how long they can be here when they're here too, because be made out a, in space. Because we be, have, we don't know what kind of gravi- how gravity affects them. Maybe the planet, right. the gravity that they're from, they can't stay here too long. I don't know. But the point is, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked, to be answered that shouldn't just dismiss the fact that well, they're not extraterrestrials. Why not? You know, um, if they're here permanently, where are they? You know, you got you got huge, huge craft. You know, mile long. Just think about that technology, the industry that take that takes to build that, and then hundreds and uh, hundreds of, of saucers flying ar- around everywhere. You're talking maintenance, you know, they got to eat, and all sorts of stuff that's attached to, to that. You know what I mean? It's, it's not as so, so simple as, yeah, they're here and they're from here. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think they are from here, you know. I, I think maybe now the, their, genes are, their genes are definitely getting mixed in with us for like what yeah, um, Odell Sims says. Yeah, you know, the like transgenic. That. You've heard that term before. I've used it before. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I just all come together till tonight. So I'm very excited about uh, you know all the concepts that were brought up, and you know we got more information. It brings a really cool, different perspective. I like that. Oh, different. Yes, I I totally love it. And uh, did you know that he was the first UFO researcher to be invited to lecture on alien abduction by the AMA, and it was at a conference at John Muir Medical Center. Yep. And it, wow. said, and it was on the medical complications of alleged human-alien contact. Wow. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I think it's so, awesome. You know, well, what, do you, how did you think, what is your opinion on his interpretation of your um, your cat people? Because it kind of matched up with mine in the sense that cause I suggested, well, perhaps it's screen memory of sort, something, you know. Um, I, it had to be because what, why would it be so friendly but then – then Rosemary had the same screen memory, but I guess that's okay. I mean, I, I don't know what they are. They haven't been back. And, uh, you know, people were bringing up some scary stuff in, in the chat that I couldn't really talk about, but, you know, because there is other kind of things going around. You know what I mean? Uh, but I don't want to say all that. Anyway, I, I scare myself. So, wait, uh, wait, you anyway. did that occur, your, your, your cat people experience. Do you recall? I forget. Yeah, but what was that? Three, it was over here. It was about three months ago. And then Rosemary said something. Oops, I'm not her name. Anyway, she said something else. She said, you know, when we're being abducted, you know, it's at your house. I said, yeah, but it's another house. She said, yeah, you have another house. I have a big old house somewhere. I have a house that I keep returning to, but it's somewhere. But she's been there, too, which is very peculiar to me that she would have the same memory of this house. Because it's probably not a house. That's probably a screen, yeah, too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably a, a ship or something. I have, I have a unit, uh, a storage place where I live somewhere or whatever, but we perceive it as a big house, you know. And um, anyway, he's been, uh, his TV uh, appearances, some of them have been uncovering aliens on Animal Planet, the Cobra Report, uh, Paranormal Borderline. 
And is the, the, his newest book that he's writing? Yeah, uh, the Alien Hunter. There's like Alien three Hunter. Different... Okay, yeah. yeah they, they, they should be able yeah, to get that on Amazon. You know, and he's a certified hypnotic anesthesiologist, which I found incredible. I mean, this is this is really some interesting dude here. Yeah, he is. That's an hypnotic anesthesiologist. I think that's that's fascinating in and of itself. It and he's into handwriting analysis. Um, as yeah. far as you know, check whether somebody's lying or not. It's um, called. I'm I'm into that too. It's a hobby. I've always been. It's called graphology. Me too. Me yeah, too. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I've always I've been into I that for decades. I started as a teenager. It's kind of soft. I'm a little rusty, but I I used to be pretty good at it. You can tell when somebody lies. You I've had really to have. Tell. Yeah, you um you get start to get pretty good, but you need to get some samples. But I had like a friend of mine. Um, he was working at a um, animal hospital, and one of his workers said, you know, she was sick, blah blah blah. She left a note, and he showed it to me. And I looked at it, I go, she's lying. <laughs> I said, there's always a little bit of deception in, in handwriting, but I said, she had it all. I go, she's not telling the truth. She's probably out having fun somewhere. She just doesn't want to show up to work, you know. So um, it can be, yeah. a lot of businesses use handwriting analysis. That's cool that he uses that. It's really, it's really cool. He's a, okay, so he's at some master's level in neurolinguistic programming, and uh, he is a licensed and ongoing private investigator, and that's what he does. And uh, we do need more people like him in the world, and especially in the world we're talking about, this alien and supernatural world that we're all trying to understand. And I am so, so uh, grateful that he brought up all these topics of these different layers of awareness. And that, uh, because remember, I, I told you that I'm starting to be aware of stuff. I've always felt it was there, but I thought you always like wonder. You know, if you mean aware of like just uh, your whole reality or your memories? What do you mean by you were aware? Or I can look in a room and know something's there, but it's not showing itself. Now to see something like that is uh, like, oh, you're schizophrenic. Like, well, I know what schizophrenia is, and I don't have it. I don't think, but uh, this, but. Okay, so let, okay, let's just use just because I have that example right now, the, the okay. bathroom situation where I walk in there, it looks like a disco room, and there's a mirrors. There's not a, a wall, there's a mirror, and then there's a sink. There's no commode, there's no nothing else. And you know how Starbucks bathrooms you can look universally; they all look the same. That's why I go there. Anyway, but half the bathrooms missing. I almost walked out, but something said, "Turn around." Like I said, I know this isn't what it appears to be. So I'm going to stand here and wait till you turn back. That's exactly what my attitude and the way I felt. I actually crossed my arms and waited, and it came back. Wow. I know. So this happened right before my eyes. I wasn't dreaming. You know, I don't drink. I don't get loaded. I don't do anything. I don't smoke cigarettes. I noticed, too, I mean, um, I don't. I think it's like maybe I'm hypothesizing, speculating, of course, okay. but it's like, Given these experiences that, that we've all had, I know, like, for me and, and obviously for you, it seems like I almost feel like reborn in a sense that you start to see everything very differently. Yes. That's, I, I really was, I was up, you, trying to say that, Adrian. I couldn't get it out as I feel like I am being uh, reborn, like I am feeling like... You're, like I'm seeing the world for the first time in many yeah, ways. Even, yeah, I'm sitting there studying it, what's 
on here, and things here. start to look strange for me. Does that happen to you? Yes. But it's like, like letting go of the fear. It, it, it's painful to change. But then again, you got to cast your bread upon the water. You know, you just have to live and learn and go for it, you know? Yeah, so it's yeah. Reading. Things have changed. Well, you've seen the... Okay, so you're my friend, my trusted friend, and uh, imagine how people feel that have been watching you this last two years. They don't know what the hell's going on. They've watched it happen. They think, well, how did you get from A to Z? Like, I don't know. Oh, a long process. <laughs> it took a long time. So, yeah, it does. And you go through denial stages. I remember even for a year or two, I, and then I'd say, ah, oh, it's, maybe it's just a religious experience. You know, I try to rationalize it and try to explain yeah. it away, and then I just couldn't. No, you know, it's you, a beautiful thing, and we got to reinforce for ourselves just to be brave and keep going forward and just keep, out there, I encourage everybody, if you're really having a lot of bizarre experiences, if you're getting abducted or whatever happened, you've got to contact people. You can come contact Daryl Sims. He's in Houston. And just put his I'm name in. You're going to find it. And he spells his name a little different. D-E-R-R-E-L Sims. S-I-M-S. Daryl W. Sims. So just Google But he has a very counterintuitive spelling. Yeah, yeah, with one well, M. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you would think, yeah. So go ahead and go go find him, and then Yvonne Smith. Of course, she's working here in California, and Daryl's in uh, Houston. But you know, people, we can get around anymore, and uh, you know, we just really have to support on each other on these unique ideas. What it's what it's done for me, I'm a, I'm, as I'm an artist that doesn't do art for some reason, but I will be soon. But anyway, uh, let's uh, you know, this is like art to me. You know, it's just like if it was art or poetry or music or whatever. This is just developing part of yourself. And it's exciting. Right. And it never gets old. I'm scared. But I do it. I have to do it. What's the, what's the other path, Adrian? I don't even know what that other path was like anymore because we're, we're so far off, skidded off that road. We were, <laughs> we're on something else. There's, so there's the alien thing. I don't But there's also, you know, the, the spirituality thing. I... I I have yeah. my own spirituality that I'm working out, and I spend a lot of yeah. time thinking that we all do in, in our own way. And I'm no. using my studying. Lately, I've been studying a lot of the ancient philosophers. So I go through different phases, so I go back and look at my notes and then teach myself other things. Mm-hmm. A lot of Greek philosophy, Chinese philosophy. Late, last couple of weeks, I've been doing a lot of Chinese philosophy, reviewing and teaching some, myself other stuff. I'm just trying to incorporate it, building yeah. up my own spirituality. And I notice, you know, there's there's other things. So that kind of... Um, there's a, there's definitely a bigger picture beyond aliens, but definitely they're, they can answer a lot of st- stuff. But in the meantime, um, it's also a scary thing. You know, it's very unsettling to think that, you know, um, we're living sort of in a zoo of sorts. You know yeah. what I mean? Or a matrix yeah. of sorts. While we're sitting and living our lives, there's these other things happening, and they're basically they can decide whatever happens to us if they want. You know, and they're doing well, God knows. Sometimes it's terrifying. I mean, I can relate to that abject fear because still, even now, yeah. there are times yeah. where I just sit and I'm just like, "Crap, this, <laughs> this stuff God. is going on," and mo- mo- most anybody really don't know that it's happening. We're in a little bubble, me and you, and we know we know all these people that are into it. But you step out of your mm-hmm. circle of friends, most people have no, no clue. Right. You know, 
about the abduction phenomenon. Yeah, I know there's polls that say, you know, 75% of people believe in UFOs. Okay, that, but that doesn't mean it. All that means is they believe that, okay, there might be objects flying around. But the meaning of it, what that means, that oh, the yeah. abduction is occurring, cow mutilation, I mean, all the details behind that, they have no clue. And um, that's just, you know, sometimes it's just, for me, um, it's just I sit and I'm like, crap, nobody knows, you know, on, on a practical mm-hmm. level. And um, what can you do? You know, but like you said, well, you have we to keep kind of... Going forward. You have to because or else you go nuts. But there are times where yeah, I just you keep going like, forward. But I think if okay, this is what I think that drives us crazy and it hurts the most is if you keep trying to hang on what it was like or what um, we thought it was should be like, and then we just have to accept and try to see what's real. Yeah. You know, it's and like then the more we seem to that, find out. Or hear various opinions on the abduction phenomenon. The more um, it shows how much we don't know and how um, potentially scary it can be. It can be, but what else are we going to do? We're either going, we're going yeah. either way. But I would like to go out with a fight. You know, if I was able to resist right, so not, or whatever, but not uh, hurt myself. Right. Yeah. I mean. It, that's the million-dollar question, or as they say nowadays. But I don't mind hurting but them. I'm, I know it's sounds want, vicious, you know? but it sounds yeah. vicious. But uh, like he brought up, I'm not really hurting anything because what I was saying, what I killed, to me, it almost looked like a rat. But it was just, I knew it was, uh, it was not really a rat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I knew that it was, I was angry because you know they were presenting a polite front and on the back they're doing something else so i think that's what why is your opinion on um his hypothesis on um their various um iqs or intelligence do you believe that or do you have other views well okay this is what my view is on on that i'm going to believe it because he's a actually sounds like a forensic scientist and he's uh knows his stuff and there's something i saw one time this is what i related to what he was saying is that I saw this cone. Okay, there was a mist. I woke up and I saw it with my own eyes. There was a mist. And uh, inside the mist was a kind of white, tall cone, maybe three feet high. (laughs) And it had two buttons for eyes that were, like, also creamy white, like creamy white. You know what I mean? Not like Mm -hmm. paper, more like a rubber cone. That's what they look like to me. With two fake eyeballs plastered on it. And I looked at it. And I went, I actually said this out loud as I went around it to go to the bathroom. That's how nonchalant I was at this point with this thing, not the other one. If this is how stupid (laughs) these aliens are going to get, you know, forget it. There's no alien abduction. So I went and walked around it, walked around the mist and walked around the cone and just went to the bathroom. I said, if this is ridiculous, you know, because... I, I ran into a stupid one, I guess. <laughs> I know we, we we interpret some of the things that they do. I mean, like, yeah, putting wrong clothes on us. I mean, things things like that. But that's, I argue that's kind of like, well, they've been here. Thought of, this is how low you've gotten. Can't you guys well, I, I respectfully, I mean, I think there's a lot of cool things he says, but I respectfully, I like the, the way he uses the word term arguing because that's how it's done in academia. In academia, when oh. you say you're arguing, Especially in philosophy, I'm talking about, that means you're just um, 
trying to sort out what the truth is. Tell me your view, tell me my view, I'll tell your view, and let's, let's figure it out. That's called arguing. Not in the pedestrian sense, you know, where everybody goes, you know, gets all hateful and whatever. Um, that's, that's not arguing in philosophy. So I like the way he, he, termed, he termed it in that sense. And so I respectfully would argue in, that, in this sense um, that I'm not sure I agree with them being only 15 years or 20 years ahead of us, given the fact. I was wondering what you thought about that. They've been here a long time. And they've already had technology light years ahead of us even then. Do you know what I mean? If we agree that they've been here, he seems to agree, they've been here since, you know, ancient Egyptian times. And if we agree that they've been here, you know, when Native Americans um, were at their height and they they were doing their petroglyphs and stuff, they're already pretty advanced doing stuff. I mean, light years advanced compared to that. Um, So... There's, that, that was that's more than just 15, 20 years in advance. Then, um, I, I think there's they're a lot technologically they're they're way more advanced than us. I don't I don't think I don't think it's as simple as, in my view, um, well, 15 or 20 um, years. I, I think true, they're more like <laughs> a few well, thousand years ahead of us. Something. Remember what that lady showed me that one room one time, where yeah. things there were so unusual and unnamed that I can't even talk about it. That it was so way out of anything that we've ever thir- heard or thought of or no regular rules of this world at all or out of space at all. It's just bizarre. But anyway, I guess we're going to have to wrap it up tonight. And it's been another great show. And I want to thank you so much, Adrian, for uh, co-hosting me with, with me tonight on a fascinating show. Thank you. It was, it was, thank you for having me on. And, um, Daryl Sims is a great guest. It was wonderful having be part of this process. I appreciate you letting me me be co-host. You're welcome. And can you tell everybody uh, where your blog is? You have a blog, and uh, you have quite a fascinating papers and uh, uh, things going on. Yeah, I have ufophilosopher.com. That's my website, and that's uh, it's it's a website where I put my thoughts up there. I'm in the process of putting some papers up there. I got one up there, and um, some aphorisms and whatnot, but also it's it's a site that one can also, um, if you're in new to ufology or whatever, it's a great yeah. um, starting point because I have some interesting links and some in, a reading list where one can start um, teaching oneself about ufology, and my, you can contact me from there. Yes, okay. Thank you so much, Adrian. I want to wish you a, a good night and happy trails, and I'll see you, you on sure. the other side. And you okay. take care. Okay, okay, you too, sir. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. So good night, everybody, and it's been a wonderful show tonight. And next week, again, we have Pamela Lafredo, psychic medium and medical intuitive and Reiki master, and she's uh, going to be speaking with us from Maine, and it's going to be a pleasure to have her on. We're going to talk about all things and be, get our readings done and uh, all sorts of things. So I'm looking forward to next week's show. And, of course, you can also hear and listen in on my Bible study that I do Sunday mornings, Sacred Sundays, here at the same station at uh, 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. So I'll see you next week, and have a great week ahead. And I'll follow the links to contact me, and you can message me if you'd like to be part of our show or for general help and assistance. And you can also write me, Sharma McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. I know nobody writes a snail mail. I hardly ever pick it up either, but anyway, that's where you can do it or just... Just message me and 
uh, that's all. And then uh, the show is archived, so right after I hang up uh, the show, you're going to be able to hear it again as many times as you want. And the paranormal is sacred as a place where the unheard may be heard, and we really appreciate your recommendation to family and friends. God bless everybody. May your best dreams come true, and you find that true love you're looking for. Love you, peeps. Bye-bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.